0: Hey everyone, welcome to the It's Mind Game podcast. I am very excited to be sharing this episode with you as it's quite an amazing one. I'm introducing you to my friend Sarah, who powered her way through pregnancy and brought her son into the world with an unmedicated home birth. We have so much to discuss on all things pregnancy, birth and postpartum. With that in mind,
1: welcome Sarah. Hi Jade, thank you for that lovely introduction.
0: Oh, I think you're a superwoman, <laughs> let's just be honest.
1: I don't know that I'd use the term power through my pregnancy. It felt very slow.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's what I was leading at is I had the luxury of feeling sick for the first 12 or well, maybe 14 weeks, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nonstop sick, but then it went away and I got to enjoy the rest of it and feel well and energetic and all that kind of thing where I know your experience wasn't as luxurious and for the most part you were feeling quite ill Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about how your pregnancy was and then we'll sort of go from there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you said, um, the luxury of feeling a little bit unwell. Um, I feel a little bit ripped off, to be honest, with my pregnancy. (laughs) I didn't get to have that glorious second trimester, as a lot of women sort of describe, um, where the morning sickness has lifted and they feel a bit more energetic and, um, you know, ready to take on the world. Uh, Unfortunately, I never had that. So I was very, very fortunate to fall pregnant quite uh, quickly. Um, And I was in what I'd like to think was pretty good physical shape before we conceived. That was a very deliberate. I spent the whole year prior to conceiving, um, working out quite a lot, trying to get into the best um, physical state that I've been in. I just wanted to make sure I was perfectly healthy before we tried to conceive and obviously to carry a baby. Um, and that comes from a mental health point of view as well I wanted to make sure that I was mentally ready Um, so I'd like to think I was really nice and active I was feeling quite strong I was training a lot Um, I do jiu-jitsu with my partner which you know about she's (laughs) a ninja (laughs) done some with me which has been fun Um, so I did quite a lot of that we competed a lot the year before I felt pregnant so I guess Suffice to say, I was feeling really good and found out I was pregnant very early. Um, It was probably two weeks after my period was due. And at about six weeks pregnant, that's when the nausea kicked in. Mm. Um, And at first I thought, oh, how cute. I have morning sickness. (laughs) This is amazing. This is how it's all meant to be. And, Um, And then the nausea didn't go away. And... I'd like to, it's hard to to phrase, but I wasn't vomiting a lot. And I actually think I was a bit unlucky that I wasn't vomiting a lot because I had no relief. The times I did vomit, which was very few and far between, I felt better after I vomited, um, even if it was just for an hour or two. Whereas for me, I couldn't physically really vomit. um, And so I felt nauseous just 24/7. It wasn't in the morning, it was constant. It was morning, afternoon, evening through the night. And um, it's really hard when you keep hearing that it should pass and you start to have this false hope that, um, okay, once I hit 12 weeks, it'll pass. Okay. It hasn't passed. Maybe once I hit 20 weeks, it'll pass. Okay. It hasn't passed. And it just keeps going. Um, And that put me in a really bad frame of mind, actually, because um, like I said, I was really active prior to falling pregnant. And all of a sudden my world got flipped upside down and I could barely get out of bed some days. Um, And of course, COVID hit while I was pregnant, so we had that bad boy to deal with as well, um, which meant that my parents couldn't fly down. So my parents live up on the Gold Coast um, and I'm here in Melbourne. And I guess when I felt pregnant, it was always part of the plan that we'd come and see each other pretty frequently, as we often do anyway. Um, So they could experience my pregnancy. I'm the only child. um, So it was a really big deal in my family. Um, And I'd go up there and, um, you know, have the cute pregnant body on the beach kind of thing (laughs) that you see all over Instagram. Um, Oh, how naive I was. (laughs) So none of that happened. Um, And to be honest, even if COVID hit, I don't know how much traveling I could have done given how unwell I felt. So... Um, and then my third trimester hit. So lo and behold, I thought, okay, it's nearly over. Um, and then I got hit with SPD. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it stands for symphysis pubis dysfunction.
0: Mm, or painful. Pulverine.
1: Yeah, yep, nasty. Um, so basically my pelvis felt like it was ripping apart every time I took a step. And I'd been to the osteo and I'd seen my midwife and um, the recommendations and the information was pretty identical. It's There's not much you can do about it. Um, it will pass most likely once the baby's born. Um, it's got a lot to do with the hormone relaxin um, that's amplified in your body while you're pregnant. So all your tendons and muscles loosen up, particularly around the pelvis getting ready for birth. And for some women that just happens a lot uh, more predominantly than in other women. So I got lucky in that department as well. Um, so by the end, I really, Couldn't be active at all, despite what I was trying to do, even a walk a day um, became really, really challenging. So I was almost bedridden for my final trimester. And um, yeah, I I really didn't enjoy pregnancy. I had a lot of friends who were pregnant around the same time at slightly different stages, and a lot of them were glowing and um, really excited about being pregnant, about having their baby, and I wasn't feeling any of those things. Um, I suffered from depression through my pregnancy, um, mainly because, and the way I describe it is I felt like my body was being hijacked, um, mm-hmm. by this thing that I hadn't met yet. And I didn't have that connection to the baby while I was pregnant that I was really hoping I'd have that you read about, that you hear about, that you dream about. Um, I really lacked that. So I struggled a lot with the fact that I couldn't bond with the baby that was growing inside me. And my partner was bonding more than me, (laughs) which was fantastic um, in one sense, but in another sense, it just made me feel really guilty and ashamed. But I just, I was so overwhelmed with how sick I was day to day, how much pain I was in, and the fact that I didn't have my mum and dad here, which sounds a little bit, I don't know if that sounds a little bit childish, but. I think when you become a mum or when you're about to be a mum you just really want your mum (laughs) around particularly if you have a good relationship with her um so i really lacked that unfortunately and it was to no one's fault it was just obviously the situation with the pandemic um but we got really lucky that she was able to fly down for the birth because i wanted her here for as part of the birth team um but I will go into that a little bit later. She did end up getting stuck here because the border shut. So (laughs) that wasn't necessarily the best thing, but.
0: (laughs) Make make, up for lost time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I guess one thing for people to understand too when it comes to nausea from pregnancy is that Mm. it really is an all-consuming kind of nausea. Um, So while I only had it for 12 weeks, I do remember feeling like, I don't have the capacity to think about anything else because all I can think about is how sick I feel. And I also wasn't a vomitor or anything like that. And I do remember a few women saying to me like, Oh, sometimes that's worse because as soon as you throw up, it's like your body regulates itself. And then you've got a window, whether it be an hour, two hours, three hours, it doesn't matter to just enjoy not feeling nauseous. Um, and I completely understand on the the first few weeks when you feel nauseous, it's like that's your tick box of knowing you're pregnant because you don't have Mm. any kicks yet and you don't Mm. um, have moving or or any other sign or a bump to sort Mm. of tell you're pregnant. So part of the nauseous it's like, yes, yes, I'm I'm still pregnant. Everything's okay. This is great. This is good. I can handle it. Um, So to have that prolonged feeling of nauseousness for so long is exhausting absolutely exhausting. And I think especially in your situation where you're around women who were pregnant and having a really good time with it, it's almost like salt in the wounds. And a lot of women don't want to talk about that because maybe they feel like it's something that we shouldn't discuss or it should be frowned upon or anything like that. But the reality is when you're feeling so sick, it's Mm -hmm. really hard to enjoy it. And the longing for having those bonding moments and loving kicks and butterfly feelings in the stomach and things like that and you don't have the capacity to feel it because you're consumed, um, it would be a tough pill to swallow because you just want that connection and you, and you want to feel a particular way. And everyone told you that's how you'd feel. Yeah, like that, that's, what, that's what's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. So if it's not happening, like what does that mean for me?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think um, you hit the nail on the head there as well is um, you, you expect it to be a certain way. And I felt a lot of guilt that all I wanted to do was complain about the fact that I was pregnant because I was just in so much pain and discomfort and it was debilitating and I wasn't enjoying it at all. But there's so much guilt because you know of so many women who struggle to get pregnant, who may never be able to get pregnant. You know what a gift this is and how lucky you are to be able to experience it at all, that the last thing you want to do is rub in someone's face, oh, this is horrible you know so you're very careful what you say who you say it to um, that I just found myself shutting down and internalizing and not speaking about it Um, which then goes the other way obviously because you start suffering in silence and that's when the depression can hit Um, and that can be dangerous in itself so it's this real it needs to be normalized a little bit I think that pregnancy isn't a good experience for everybody. Um, Some women are very lucky and cruise through and love every minute of it. Uh, But there are a lot of women, and I dare say more women who probably struggle through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't mean, and I had to learn this myself, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good mum, And it doesn't mean that you don't love your baby. Um, Those things aren't directly linked at all. You can be all those things and you can just hate being pregnant. And that's, that's how I felt.
0: And what you said as well, where it can be tricky when obviously you've got the awareness that for some women, it's so difficult to fall pregnant and it's all I've ever wanted. And maybe they Mm -hmm. can't do it because of X, Y, Z reasons. And I guess that's where it goes full circle because everyone needs to have the capacity to understand everyone else's emotions. And just because you're having a difficult time doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to share what you're going through because of somebody else. And I completely understand pick and choosing that conversation. Like if you know you've got a friend who just wants to be pregnant and maybe that friend isn't the person to have the conversation with because, you know what, it might be too difficult for her to empathise with you because it is like, well, at least you're pregnant. And, of course, that's understandable. But, you know, if you pick and choose those sorts of conversations and you would get to a point where I'm sure whether it be your mum or your best friend or even, you know, Lee, where it's like, I hate myself for saying this, but I hate this. Like, I just, I don't like it. I want it to be over. Can the baby just be born and can we move on? Um, Did you have any friends you could sort of talk about it to, or you were sort of a bit too riddled with guilt to have those kinds of conversations?
1: Um, I I had one friend in particular who had, if not a worse experience than me with her pregnancy um, she had a few more complications so another thing to point out is i was very lucky that i didn't have any real complications through my pregnancy in terms of my baby was safe the entire time i was safe the entire time i was just unwell um, and obviously had the spd at the end but that doesn't affect the baby whatsoever that's just very painful um, whereas a friend of mine had some complications throughout her pregnancy so that was eye-opening that that sort of makes you sit back and go okay at, at least i don't um have to deal with the added stress of worrying that there could be something wrong um and here's someone that i can sit with and we can share a space where we can speak honestly about how much this sucks yeah. <laughs> and get through it together and know that there's going to be an end to this because that's the other thing is it's very hard to see that there is an end to this. And it's very hard in that moment to believe that you will feel better. Um, The doctors will tell me constantly, once that baby's out, the nausea will go away. The SPD will go away. You'll feel completely different. Um, And you don't believe it. You don't believe it when you're in it because the days are so, so long. Um,
0: And and nine months is such a long time to feel sick. It's sort of like, uh, I'd imagine that you almost wouldn't remember what it's like to feel well.
1: Oh, I did it. I thought, yeah. I thought, so this is going to be my life now. You know, I had, my mum was laughing at me when I said that. I said, I'm going to be feeling like this forever. And um, it, it sounds funny thinking back there, but um, I remember my partner went out one night because I was pregnant over a birthday and he went out one night and um, had a few to drink and was feeling a little bit rotten the next morning. And I remember feeling so good about that. <laughs> I was just like, yes, you get to experience how I've been feeling for the last few months. Day to day, but by lunchtime he was fine. He ate something, and he and then better. you're like, "Damn you!" I said, Damn you. This is twenty four seven for me. But it was at that moment he looked at me and he said, "Wow, this is rough. Like if you feel like this every minute of every day, I don't know how you're doing it." And that was nice. That was a bit validating. That okay, he gets it. You know, as supportive as he was the entire time, it's different when someone can feel what you're feeling, even if it's just for a few few hours one morning. But um. I appreciated that,
0: <laughs> but it's nice to have someone empathise with you. And yeah, even though his was totally. like a self-induced sickness, yeah,
1: absolutely, I had um, no, yeah, no sympathy for him whatsoever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? When people can suffer together,
1: yeah, and okay. almost
0: find joy in it. Misery um, does love
1: company, yeah.
0: <laughs> Except he got over his so much quicker. Oh. But um, how how did you go? Obviously, leading into the birth, because we had a few chats sort of leading up to labor time and I think yeah. everyone will be able to resonate with especially four weeks prior to your due date there mm-hmm. is a level of panic when's the baby going to come how's it going to come yep am I going to get through it okay am I going to be in trouble is the baby going to be in trouble yep. Ugh, okay. thousands and thousands of questions that 50 percent is excitement and 50 percent is absolute terror
1: especially when it's your first time doing it and experiencing it you have no idea what to expect um, and so I made the decision early on that I wanted to try for a home birth. Um, and that was due to a number of different factors all coming together. One of them was the fact that I felt like I was out of control and out of my body, my entire pregnancy, um, from early on. And I wanted to make sure that I could control something. And in my head, that was, um, I could control as much of the birth as possible birth is so out of your control once you're in it and you really have to surrender to it and anything could happen but I just wanted to make sure that I was empowered with as much knowledge as possible and doing things as much my way and as much intervention free as I could um and I wanted that feeling at the end that I that I did it and that I could do it um and I think a lot of that it was a very big mental game for me um in that as I was saying earlier because I was so unwell through my pregnancy I was feeling like a bit of an unfit mum and I was feeling like I, my body was failing me and that I wasn't going to be able to do this um, so my birth was very important to me I needed to feel like that was my initiation into being a mum not necessarily the pregnancy but at least I could birth this baby how I wanted to and start from there if that if that makes any sense at all <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And I, I, after speaking to other women that are going through their pregnancies or have mm. had their babies now, uh, it's interesting how different people cope with the idea of birth, because I was very much the same in regards to I wanted to research um, all the different intervention protocols. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wanted it to be as natural and organic as possible. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to know if someone did need to step in with something. What is it? How is it done? What are the side effects? Do I have absolutely. a choice? Um, all those kinds of things and mm-hmm. i found learning all those different elements of what can go right and what can go wrong made mm-hmm. me feel more comfortable about my labor um, but then i've spoken to some of my friends who are pregnant right now and um they're like oh i'd rather keep it to a minimum like i yeah. <laughs> i just want to i just want to go into the hospital and what will be will be and that yep, that's yep. their way of coping and whatever works for you works for you yep. like you should not be forced to do research if it's not your cup of tea but uh, if you want to, so I remember my mum saying to me like, Jade, just calm down, like just what will be, will be. And I'm like, no, I, I know that, but I still need to have an idea of wh- how I would like everything to work out. So I had a birth plan and how I wanted, you know, some like little, because I planned on having the baby in hospital, some little LED lights and mm-hmm. I was going to have some aromatherapy going on and I wanted a, a bath readily available if you if I wanted to have a water birth and, you know, all these dribs and drabs. And I remember mum saying to me, yeah, but it might not happen. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's so okay. And honestly, I, with the way things panned out, my birth plan never even made it in the room because, (laughs) you know, baby and body had a different idea. And, you know, it was still the perfect thing. It all worked out great. Um, It was far from intervention free because I had a Caesar. Um, But definitely I understand how the... It can be empowering planning and thinking about how yes. the birth's going to occur. Yes. And I think that's why I find your story so amazing because I remember you talking about, you know, you want to have the water birth, you want to be at home, you want to have, was it your mum and Lee's mum? That's right, yes. There with you? And obviously yes. Lee there as well. Yes. And then we'll come into the world and everything happened, how you would paint that beautiful picture. And yes. I just remember being like, that's amazing like that is so amazing because you didn't get scared you didn't and wherever you birth your baby it's totally fine no but you committed I could imagine being like home birth home birth and then my water breaks and being like get me to the hospital yeah yeah and and you didn't you really honored honored the plan um how did that all go down like did your water break naturally or
1: yes it did yes um so I uh, the few weeks leading into the birth so we were umming and ahhing probably the last month um, of my pregnancy about whether I could really go through with this. That's when all that anxiety really hit going, I'm crazy. Um, I can't do this without, my main concern was without pain relief. I thought I'm not as tough as I think I am. I can't do this without pain relief. This is ridiculous. Um, and Lee really stepped up um, and got my head back in the game um, and made me believe my, in myself again. And um, what you're saying is is right. And I think I just want to make a point that I think these days a lot of women say that as long as I'm healthy and baby's healthy, that's all that matters. Everything else is going to be fine. And there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. As long as you're okay and baby's okay, um, everything else comes second. But birth trauma is a very, very real thing. Um, And a lot of women, whether they know it or not, um, will suffer from birth trauma of some kind, um, because it's a huge thing that's happening to you. And it may not happen more than once twice three times if you're lucky in your lifetime and um, it's one of the hardest things that you put your body through birthing a baby and the experience itself can happen in so many different ways and yes it's a lot of it is out of your control but so much of it is in your control and as long as you feel empowered at the end and you feel like everything that happened happened because you allowed it to and you weren't afraid when it did then it's going to be okay and and you're going to be okay um and you're not going to carry that with you um, through your motherhood journey because um it's so important and i've seen it so many times where women feel like they've lost control um during their birth and things are being done to them without their permission um, which is a scary thought but it does happen more often than we think it does and that fear of loss of control. And once the baby's out, they almost feel like they've been completely torn apart, you know, and it's, it's horrifying, but it's true.
0: I'm really and glad you brought that. that up actually. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I did a hypnobirthing course cause mm-hmm. I just felt that resonated well with me. And mm-hmm. honestly, the biggest takeaway I had from that course was them saying you have the power to say no. Yes. They can suggest an intervention, Mm -hmm. And you can ask them and look, it could work out that no, that's absolutely required. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you do what you've got to do. But uh, the, what they brought to the forefront was when you're in a hospital setting or a doctor's or anything like that, and you're under stress because it's a whole new thing you're experiencing, you feel like any suggestion that comes to you is coming to you because it has to be done. So it's very natural to go. Oh, okay. yep, 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 yep. Yep. Mm -hmm but it's not sometimes it's just look this could work maybe we've got someone in training and with the way my birth unraveled i'm so glad i learned that mm. because um so my pelvis was too narrow conceima couldn't fit mm. and my water broke naturally contractions hard and fast my body actually did exactly what it was supposed mm. to do Mm-hmm. and I remember being in the hospital and, you know, there's alarm bells going off and because Kasima's heart rate was going up and down, my heart rate was going up and down and the nurse came in and said, look, I really think we should induce you. And I said, but my water broke naturally and and I'm having contractions, like things are moving fast. And she goes, yeah, yeah, but, you know, it could be better if we get things moving faster. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I said to her, I'm like, but my body, Body and apparently my baby's not coping as it is with how quickly things are going. Um, no, like I, I'm not doing that. So it, exactly. And yeah. I'm no medical professional, but it just made no sense. And she gave me the dirtiest look, <laughs> dirtiest look, like I had offended her or something. I don't know. But and I remember looking at John because she kind of stomped out of the room. And I looked at John, I said, Do you, do you agree with this? And he said, oh, it makes sense to me because he knew the super basics of what yeah. things work. So I'm like, I need you to know in case I don't have a voice, I need you to know what I want and what I don't like the idea of blah, 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 blah. And um, the way everything worked out later on, I spoke to my midwife because she wasn't available to be there while everything was happening. And she said, oh, you know, you, you did the best thing because it actually would have complicated things a lot more mm-hmm. and she would have been in complete distress and, like, who knows, kind of scenario. Yeah. Because, yeah, we did not think, need things to go quicker. Um, and I just think to anybody out there, just learning that for one is that you've got the power to say no and you've got the power to question them like, why do you want to do this? How is it going to help me and the baby? And what are my alternatives? Absolutely. Three such important questions. And, and if they had a. Them, yeah. I'm sorry. No, so you can go.
1: ask them what. To, what happens if we don't do it? I think that's an important mm. question. A lot of people skip over, um, but because you can say no, you can ask. Okay, let's say we say no. What's the worst that could happen?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think just what you were saying about the the birth trauma—that's where a lot of it sort of incurs because yeah. women are getting advised on different procedures and interventions, mm-hmm. and it's not coming from a place as no, this is essential because of X, Y, Z. I honestly, I never even understand the motivation for some of it. I've heard women that have had up to ten stretch and sweeps while in having multiple contractions and whatnot, and there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that assists with the progression of labor or birth, let alone having ten of them. Um, right. This woman yeah. actually ended up so inflamed that she had to have a cesarean because they oh. she was swollen
1: yeah. from
0: trauma, literally from trauma. from something she was advised would help deliver her baby naturally. And that story is not to scare anyone in any way, Mm. shape or form, but just there's so much merit to just questioning Mm. intervention, why, how, you know, what the outcomes are. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um,
1: And so, like you said, I had a birth plan as well. um, And the main headline of that birth plan was to ideally have the baby at home um and I, sh- I do want to preface by saying I wasn't having a free birth and um I'm not condoning free births in any way so the difference between a free birth and a home birth is a free birth is there's no medical professionals around whatsoever um and a lot of the time they happen accidentally just because people don't realize where they're at yep um and that's and that happens um but they can happen obviously people plan it that way too but we'd planned a home birth. So I had three midwives present at the day um, on top of having my birth team, which was my partner and my mother and my mother-in-law. So it was a full house (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the very well-prepared. So my home birth was organized through the hospital. I was very lucky to fall in the jurisdiction of Sunshine Hospital, which offers um, home births through their system. Um, the public system so I didn't have to pay extra for it. I know you can organize them privately as well um, but you do need to organize a private midwife for that and that's when the money comes in. So I was very lucky to fall into that area Um, and the criteria to have a home birth is very very strict so they want to obviously be as safe as possible so there's a lot of boxes that they have to tick um, before they sign you off to do it. Um, And that's purely to keep you safe and baby safe and um, if there's any high risk that something could be a bit abnormal they want to make sure that you're close to a hospital, which is completely understandable. Um, They also provide oxygen tanks, so a week prior to my no, sorry two weeks prior to my due date uh, my midwife came over and dropped off an oxygen tank. Um, So that's just in case they need to recess, very low risk, but obviously um, better have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Um, So just in case they need to recess the baby, they have oxygen available. Um, And they also bring a a couple of drugs with them as well. Um, Not pain relief, unfortunately, um, but syntocin, which is the synthesized hormone um, to help deliver the placenta if needed. Um, they bring vitamin k for the baby if needed um, and a few other bits and bobs they also give you an anti-medic in case you start vomiting through your pregnancy they've got that handy um, so your house becomes a little mini pharmacy <laughs> on the day so um, that was all pre-organized and um, I did decide to try and have a water birth um, and that was for a number of reasons as well um, the Biggest reason being from what I'd read and researched, water immersion during labour is um, one of the better natural pain reliefs that a woman can use. Um, doesn't work for everyone, but it does work for a lot of women, whether that be being under the shower and having that hot pressure on your back wherever the pain is or floating in a pool or a bath um, can be really helpful for those contractions. So I was really keen to try that given I didn't really want to try um, any pharmaceutical analgesics, if I could avoid it. Um, So leading into the big day, some new COVID restrictions were announced. Um, One of them was that partners were not able to stay in the hospitals after the baby was born for longer than two hours. Um, And the other one was water immersion was banned um, in hospitals. So they were actually removing plugs from the bathtubs so that women couldn't fill up baths and... um, Use them during their labor and shower was a big no-no. So this caused a lot of hype (laughs) in the obstetrics world (laughs) when this got announced. A lot of women who were due to give birth and um, were, were very upset, myself included, even though I had planned on a home birth, there was still a possibility that I'd end up being transferred to a hospital if something was a bit askew. So I had to be prepared that I could be giving birth in a hospital. Um, and to think that once the baby was born, my partner couldn't stay for longer than a couple hours, um, was really frightening. It really, really scared me, um, given nobody else could be there anyway, because of COVID restrictions and the idea that they'd taken water away as well, really frightened me because that was going to be my biggest, um, tool of pain relief. And I was really worried if I didn't have that, then, um, I'd be open to any other intervention, um, which I was trying to avoid. So that just solidified my plan to really go ahead with this home birth and and really hope that it all goes well. Um, But I did end up writing a few letters and. complaining about the new restrictions and sending a couple emails um, all very encouraged by
0: my midwife (laughs) there were a lot of midwives who were very upset by these new regulations so um, I actually had no idea I had I I was aware of the visiting um, but I didn't know about the the change of showers baths like that's just disgusting
1: so the argument was um, they didn't want nurses to wet their PPE because that would be a high risk of contracting COVID Um, and there are so many things wrong with that I won't go into. I was going to say I
0: have so much to say. I'm just going to bite my tongue.
1: But we won't go into that. That's a whole other podcast. Oh my goodness. Um, So yes, so uh, the downside to that as well was the hospital could no longer provide me with a birthing pool. Um, So originally we were going to hire one from the hospital. Um, It's their birthing pools, specifically designed for women to birth in. So they're inflatable. They're very sturdy. They've got handles there's a little seat in there. Um, They're quite cool. Um, So unfortunately I couldn't hire one and they're very expensive to buy. Um, So we ended up buying a little kiddie pool, um, (laughs) I think from Bunnings or something. And it's, it's hilarious. It's got like a brightly colored fish and aquarium patterns all over it. So, um, some serenity while in labor, Zone I wanted to be in, but um, I thought, you know what, once I'm in labor, I probably won't care, (laughs) so it's all good. Um, and it did the job really well. Um, so as you asked me before, I know I went off on a tangent, I'm so sorry, but yes, my waters did break naturally.
0: (laughs) Not you know, I I even forgot that I asked that question. I'm just so invested in your story. All I could think about when you were saying that, I'm like, oh my goodness you know, you've been out of control throughout this pregnancy and yeah. then you've gotten a grip on the idea of this birth plan yes. and then weeks before Vic government has said, mm. intercept Sarah's plans, give her a Bunnings pool. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Makes for a great story, oh, though.
1: Oh, it does, yes. I'm laughing about it now. I was not laughing at the time. Oh, I could imagine. I, you've oh. got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so it was the day before my due date and, um, I went for a long walk. Most of it uphill. Yes. With my. I was going to say with a super
0: sore pelvis.
1: Um, at the time I was,
0: was this a partially frustrated, angry walk?
1: Absolutely. Not just partially. This was mostly (laughs) I needed it to be over out. (laughs) there's lots of evidence to say activity and walking does help progress things along with yeah yeah
0: and walking on the gutter with one foot up and one foot on the road and oh there's so so many things drink the red leaf raspberry tea eat the dates have sex eat chili Just yeah
1: yeah um so I did go for a walk it was a very slow walk and I needed um a lot of assistance given given my pelvis but I did manage it and um 9 that night Lee and I who's my partner were sitting on the couch and he was forced for me to watch Ghostbusters because I'd never seen it I know <laughs> sorry about all the hate mail you're going to get after this episode. <laughs> um, I had not seen Ghostbusters from beginning to end um and my mum was in the other room she was staying with us at the time she'd managed to fly down from the Gold Coast um and I just felt wet <laughs> simple as that I felt really wet um and I was wearing a pad at the time, thank goodness. But I got up, I said, ooh, and I waddled to the bathroom and um, there was just trickles of water coming out of me that didn't feel like I was peeing and it was pinkish in colour and I thought, oh, this
0: is it, this is my
1: waters. And I remember- Did your
0: heart race like a million miles?
1: It didn't. This is This is what I remember. I didn't feel anxious and I was really wow. expecting to. So the whole month leading up to this- birth I I said to Lee multiple times I'm going in for a cesarean I'm not doing this (laughs) I freaked out I said I don't want to go through labor I don't want to push this out this isn't going to work I'm crazy and the anxiety was I wasn't sleeping I was so freaked out about what I was about to do and then when I saw my waters break I felt excited and I really wasn't expecting to feel that way at all it caught me by surprise but I got a bit giddy and so, yes, I suppose my heart did start to race, but it wasn't anxiety at all. It was. positive. It was it's yeah, excitement. It
0: was positive. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally, totally. Um, but, so I remember I um, changed my pad and I, I went back into the room and I said, into the lounge room, and I said, Lee, I think my water's just broke." He said, oh, all right, okay, um, I'll go get the pool ready. I said, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we know this could be a loss. I like, get yeah, no, you're right. And uh, we both secretly agreed not to tell my mum anything because we were so worried. And she's about- in the house. She's in the house. Oh and my I was goodness. so worried about her freaking out. So mum and I had many conversations prior to the birth to make sure that she'd be comfortable being there. Because it's it's one thing to be in pain yourself. It's another thing to see your daughter and child mm. be in pain. So um We talked about that a lot. She was very sure she wanted to give it a go. And um, there was always an out. So she could always leave the house um, if it was getting too much for her. Um, And so I was a bit worried about telling her that my water's broke. So we thought we'd keep it to ourselves for as long as possible. Uh, Neither of us could relax at that point. We were just so excited. I told Lee to go to bed and try and get some sleep and I'd lie down and see what happens. But I knew from everything I'd read, it could be up to 48 hours before anything happened, maybe even longer. Um, One of the criteria for having a home birth is they wouldn't allow you waiting longer than 48 hours after your waters broke, um, just because that could lead to potential other complications. Statistics are low, but they don't want to take the risk when you're at home. So that was fair enough. Um, So I did have only a 48-hour window to go into labour. Lee went to bed. I don't know how much sleep he actually got because half an hour later by 10 PM, my contraction started and they felt they were very low in my, um, abdomen or uterus and they felt very much like period pain. So I'm one of the lucky few who gets pretty horrendous period pain once a month. Um, so I knew exactly how that felt and it, and it was very much like that. Um, and it was coming in waves. So I thought, okay, this is definitely it. Something starting again. I wasn't feeling worried. Um, I just thought, um, I think I thought, Oh my God, I'm not going to be pregnant for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all going to be over soon. I didn't even connect the fact that I'm going to be a mum soon or that there'd be a baby soon. It was just, just relief I didn't Have to be pregnant for much longer. It is nearly over. Um, and something I did find was that the contractions weren't feeling how I'd read they would feel. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but like you said before, there are some women who will research the hell out of something to ease their anxiety and then there are others who just want to look away and that yeah. makes it feel better and that's fine. So I'm definitely the first type. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd read what contractions should or could be like um, and they didn't feel like that for me. So um, I'd read that they usually start from the top of your uterus and it feels like a squeezing sensation moving down through your body and... Um, And it comes in waves and peaks and so forth. Whereas with me, it very much started from my back and it just wrapped around the bottom part of my abdomen. So I felt nothing at the top, just pretty much my pelvis. Um, and that happened from the get go and I didn't have a long break between contractions from the get go. I think my longest was 10 minutes. So not very long at all. And, um, I didn't sleep at all. So I'd woken Lee up and I asked him to put the TENS machine on. So I used a TENS machine through my labour. Wonderful device. Amazing. Loved my TENS Um, machine. Highly, highly recommend. Some women say it didn't really do anything for them, but I know a lot of women who uh, agree that it did, obviously yourself included. Um, And for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically a, a little, well, you could probably describe it better than me, but it's little electrodes, pads that you put on, the, on your lower yeah, back. Yeah, and
0: then they pulsate the muscles. And the, yeah. the idea of it is that it's going to offset the the cramp pain mm. um, yeah. by stimulating the muscle prior. So essentially, as you feel the contraction coming on, you press the little button, mm-hmm. the tens machine buzzes, and it, it's got a dial so you can put it up and down. And um, But you're right, lots of people, it's a mixed reviews
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. machine. Yeah. And I must admit, I didn't recognize how much it was helping until I had to take it off. Yeah, it's funny. So I was using it and as you would know, contractions are all consuming once they get into swing and it's very much, I don't know what happens. You kind of disappear in your own mind. You just go somewhere, not really sure how to explain it. It's an incredible, bizarre feeling, but it's like your body just goes into a strange mode of I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just remember feeling like I just disappeared and then I'd come back. Um, but when everything happened, I had to take the TENS machine off and they said, oh, look, don't worry about it. We're going to give you an injection to stop the contractions until you have the cesarean. Mm -hmm. So take the machine off. You'll be fine. Cool. No worries. Well, the injection didn't work. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I did, but you know, and what we were saying earlier, ask questions like how, yeah. why, blah, blah blah. But at that point, I was like, "Whoa, no more contractions! Like, I'm happy yeah. to get rid of them right now." And um, yeah, so I, I took the tens machine off, and it was an hour before I had the surgery. So it was an hour of contractions, maybe a minute apart at that point. Like they were hard mm-hmm. and heavy. And yeah, as soon as I took the device off, one kicked in, and I was like, "Oh, oh wow!" And then the second, yeah. and then the third, and I was like. God, that machine was working so yeah. well. <laughs>
1: <You> don't realise. <laughs> it worked
0: yeah, so, so well.
1: And what you say about um, sort of being in the zone, it's, it's so true. And um, I think it's just all those wonderful hormones that happen um, when you're in labour that you can't possibly um, fathom before you're in labour, how it's going to feel. I and never, no, I,
0: I never read anything about that either. Like I remember yeah. reading how contractions feel and and I also got told, you know, they won't kick in for 24, 48 hours. So I remember saying yes. to John, go to jujitsu, <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. be here just chilling out. Yeah, I was in the hospital, casino was delivered within eight, eight hours of my water breaking, oh, but my yeah. contraction started within 10 minutes, like you. Like it was yes, so fast. Absolutely. But I remember thinking, no, 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 I've got 24 hours at home. I'm gonna drink tea, I might watch a movie. Like yeah. 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 No. <laughs> no,
1: that's not how it worked
0: out. <laughs> no. And like, and it was great that it did, and everything was cool. But I just remember being so excited for the next 24 hours of like
1: yeah. contractions
0: slowly coming in and being like, oh, that's happening. And I'm progressing. And I don't know. I had this delusion that that's, that's what would happen. And but just the that, 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 that feeling of disappearing. Here. Yeah. I remember it happening. And even in the moment, I was like, oh, like it, it's a great thing that it's happening because it was. It's almost like you just turn so inward, yeah, to a degree yeah. that you never knew possible, and you. I just even now I can't put words to it. It's just such a powerful thing. It is it's sort of a nothing, and if uh, I don't know if you've been through I, it, you might. I. Do you, it's,
1: it's, it's almost indescribable. You might be able to say.
0: explain it better, but I just oh. I just disappeared, and then I yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say prior to being in labor about a month or so before, I got a really bad leg cramp when I was in bed, my calf cramped, awful. And I was crying because of pain and I couldn't walk on my calf probably for the rest of the day. But I remember being so shook by that and thinking, how am I going to give birth when I can't cope with a single cramp in my calf? And it really freaked me out. I went onto all these online forums and I (laughs) I don't know if i can do this because these calf cramps are killing me and i I can't cope with that and all of them said to me honey once you're in labor and those hormones kick in it's a completely wild experience you have none of those hormones right now while your your calf is cramping it's a totally different thing and it's so true it is so so true and it doesn't feel like that kind of cramp anyway so
0: But I think it's so common to have those thoughts too, especially like with the calf cram is your belly so big. So you can't even stretch your foot. You've just got to stand
1: yeah. on it. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. Like sit with the pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so Lee attached the TENS machine, which was great. I had it on the lowest dial and I'd put Gilmore Girls on TV, in the lounge room. Oh, the best. Gilmore Girls is my little go-to, um, I don't know, safety show that always makes me feel good. I've watched it a hundred times. And so I had that on in the lounge room um, and um, I had a fit ball. The fit ball was really great for me as well. I was leaning over the fit ball and every time a contraction came, which again was really quite close together for me from early on, um, I would lean over the fit ball and like grab it and then release it. And that really helped. And the other thing that helped me really well cope with the um, contractions really well, sorry, uh, is horse's breath. So I don't know if you know much about that, but it's basically this when you make this noise, so you puff your lips like that and it's slowing down your exhale is what that's doing and it really really helps um there's studies that show it's more effective in pain relief or pain management during labor than gas and air so the nitrous oxide which can often make you feel a bit nauseous um and it was amazing it was a such a good technique i used it right up until he was born um, for most of my contractions
0: so you introduced that pretty much as soon as you felt necessary and then as soon as
1: i felt necessary which was pretty early on um Mm. they intensified pretty early for me and they were pretty close together um very early um so by this point mum knew something was up (laughs) obviously (laughs) and lee had walked past her um with the deflated pool so she knew something was definitely up and came out and said so it's happening right it like, this is it okay <laughs> um i'd contacted the midwife just to let her know and again it wasn't my midwife that i've been seeing through my pregnancy which is always the way um but this midwife was great nonetheless and i let her know that my waters broke contractions and started um and she said to keep her posted because first time labors can take quite a while um and she wanted to see a certain amount of contractions in a certain amount of time, that sort of thing, before they would make their way over to my place. Um, so that was all fine. Um, it got to about 1 or 2 in the morning and I could see my mum a little bit not too sure what to do with herself. And Lee was very much helping me through contractions um, and doing a great job. And we were walking up and downstairs a little bit because I knew that would help move things along. And I said to my mum, can you make me some cake? (laughs) So there's this cake she used to make me when I was a kid that I absolutely loved. It's my favourite dessert in the world. And I just knew that giving her a job to do would keep her busy, calm her down, and I'd get to have some cake. Um, So that was awesome. That was a good little trick. And um, I would advise that to to any mum in labour who needs to distract a mother or mother-in-law, get them to cook something for you. Um, if you have the luxury, um, so she started baking the cake in the kitchen and I'm moving through my contractions and all of a sudden I really wanted a banana. So it was 4am and we didn't have bananas. Of course we didn't have bananas. Um, so Lee called his mum, um, who was going to be here for the birth and said, mum, have you got any bananas? And it was four in the morning. And she's like, yeah. And it's okay. Sarah's in labor. She wants a banana. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so she comes rushing over with the banana oh, wow. um and I was really relaxed I was really in the zone Lee made me turn Gilmore Girls off by this point and put on my playlist I'd, I'd um, made a bit of a playlist beforehand just of cruisy music nothing um nothing too airy-fairy just songs I like that make me feel good um I think there was a few punk songs in there as well um so that was good And I had that on and a few candles, just a bit of mood lighting, everything was nice and dim and it was so calm in the house and I was just horse breathing through contractions and um, I had the TENS machine on and it was at the highest dial by this point. And um, it got to a point where the TENS machine wasn't doing it anymore. Nothing was cutting it and I couldn't stand through my contractions anymore. I had to crouch down. Um, So I said, okay, I need to go in the pool. So Lee and um, my mum and his mother were filling up the pool by this point. So we had a hose attached to our kitchen sink. um, And sorry if you can hear Will. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) Um, He doesn't want to go down for his nap as usual. Oh, they Um, never do. No. (laughs) Um, So we had a hose attached to the kitchen sink down into my little brightly coloured fish pool, um, which technically I wasn't allowed to have given the new Victorian government restrictions. Um, but we did it anyway.
0: Cheeky. <laughs> I know.
1: Um, and filling up with nice warm water. It's not supposed to be too hot because if the baby's born into it, it has to be um, body temperature, ideally. Um, and so I hopped into the pool, and you're right, as soon as that TENS machine comes off, you don't realize how much you needed it or what an impact it was having. And I felt like the contractions just went. 10 times
0: did you was your midwife with you at this point yet or they were still waiting to okay so you're still just with the mum mother-in-law and Lee
1: yep Yep. so it was about 4 a.m or probably five by this point and I'm in the pool and um, Lee looked at me and said I think we should call the midwives and I said yep all right so he called the midwife and um, I was struggling through contractions at this point I was being quite vocal so up to this point other than horse breathing I wasn't vocalizing um, but now it was really um, low, deep groaning. So a, a lot about what I'd read as well was to try and, if you go into scream or vocalise through labour, to try and keep it deep and low um, as opposed to a high-pitched sound. It just helps um, relax and everything down there, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. So anything high-pitched actually, uh, I'm pretty sure it contracts some of your pelvic floor muscles yes, so it works right. against the contraction. Yeah, it doesn't have- um, yeah. yeah. And I remember reading something about that, but they linked it into the idea of when, you know, kids and women and all that have watched movies and they see women in labor, they're always screaming. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's deep embedded in our mind that like screaming sort of what mm. you do, um, mm. but the amount of benefit you've got from keeping that low sound yes. um, as muffled or as you know, funny as it sounds, it actually is so much more beneficial to working with your contractions. Yes. Um,
1: And you never know how you're going to respond when you're in labour and every woman will respond differently and there's nothing wrong with any of it. And if you want to scream and be loud, then scream and be loud. If you want to go inwards and be quiet, then that works too. But the main thing is to try through all of that is to relax, which sounds ridiculous (laughs) when, when you're experiencing that type of pain. Um, I will use the word pain. A lot of women, well, some women don't like to use the word pain, um, but it was definitely pain for me. I'm not going to beat around (laughs) the bush. Um, But to try and relax, as you said, the pelvic floor. Um, And, um, yeah, that's just going to move things along quicker, smoother, easier. Um, I was having a lot of back pain, a lot of back pain. So the midwife had come. And by this point, even between my contractions, I was not getting much of a break because the back pain was very um, intense. Yeah, yep. And from what I read, that could be a sign of a posterior baby. So basically the baby's positioned where its spine is rubbing on your spine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay. It might make it a little bit harder for the baby to come out, but it's still okay. And a lot of women give birth that way but it does give you back pain and back labor. Um, And it was very, very hard because as I said, I didn't get to rest. So my contractions would hit and they were hitting hard and I wasn't resting in between. And part of my birth plan, I asked to try and not have any vaginal exams if I Mm -hmm. could. and there was a couple of reasons for that. I, I guess I didn't want to, um, to feel as though I was further along than I was and then be checked to only find out it was only
0: a certain Yeah, it, it can be quite deflating. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and I, um, I knew how important it was to have my mindset in a certain place to get through this. And so I was worried about any types of setbacks. But again, you don't know what you're going to be like in labour. And mm-hmm. by that point, I desperately wanted to know where I was at.
0: <laughs> yeah, on a so, scale. Yeah, are we yeah. are we getting to the I end? Needed- have I got a long road ahead? Exactly. Um, yep. How much grit do I need to have? Yes, Yes. exactly.
1: Yeah, so I did ask for my first vaginal exam, but unfortunately that did mean coming out of the pool. Um, mm. So Lee helped me out of the pool and um, there were blankets and towels all around the pool. I was in the living room, in our lounge room. And um, the midwife gave me my first vaginal exam and I was eight centimetres. So I was in basically the beginning of transition. That's amazing. Any woman knows (laughs) transition is really the, um, like you said, where you pull the grit out. (laughs) That's the hard bit. Um, So that's when the baby's almost there um, and it's, it can be the hardest part for some women of the whole labor experience um, and it's where probably your biggest crisis of confidence will happen as well. So the moment where you don't think you could do it, um, that's usually the moment when you've nearly done it. So, um, and it's exactly what happened. So I went back into the pool and it was, it was tough. <laughs> it was very, very tough. I was trying different positions to ease the back pain and nothing was really relieving it. And so the midwife suggested sterile water injections for my lower back. Um, so for those of you who don't know, what they do is they inject sterile water, as it sounds, um, four times in your lower back. And the idea is, is it hurts. It hurts quite a lot. It's supposed to hurt like a lot of bee stings all at once. And the idea is that it um, sends a different pain pathway to your brain to um, distract it from the back pain it's experiencing. So it's, um, it's drug free. It's just water. Um, but it's a technique that works for some women for temporary pain relief or temporary back pain relief. Um, if others, it doesn't work. All
0: okay, right. So um, we're at the point where you've just had the sterilized injections and you have four, well, I haven't had the injections yet. They suggested giving them to Suggested them yeah, yep. and it's and four in the back,
1: four in the lower back in like a little square formation. And, um, I, I said, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I, <laughs> I hate needles at the best of times. And I'd heard how horrific these can be. Um, so I said, no, I declined and I went for probably another 20 minutes or so contracting with the back pain and it was getting very bad. And Lee actually turned to me and said, maybe we should go to the hospital and get you some um, pain relief. Um, and we looked at the midwife and the midwife said, do you want to just try these injections first? Mm-hmm. She was obviously trying very hard for me to continue with the home birth and not have to transfer me. Um, cause it's not really what any of us wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm and um lee said yep let's do it i couldn't even i couldn't even answer so at that point he advocated for me which i'm really grateful for and that's something that we had discussed prior to giving birth is that if i can't advocate or make the you know appropriate decision because of the pain i'm feeling then he would step up and do it for me which is exactly what he did so we moved myself over to the couch and um leaned over the couch and I held my mum's hands and they gave me the injections and I just screamed bloody murder just Lee said he'd never heard me make that sound before in entire life. and it was it was more painful than the contractions and they give it to you while you're contracting just for oh. extra fun <laughs> um, just because supposedly if it's all happening at once you
0: know it'll it'll be a bit it's counter, quick, no yeah. discount, Can I whatever. ask, is it the do they do one, two, three, four, or is it four all at once? So there's two of them, two, two midwives, and
1: they yeah. did um, two each. So I was getting two yeah. at the same time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ouch. um So it was really nasty, but it was very quick. The stinging mm-hmm. pain only lasted probably 20, 30 seconds tops. They moved me over to the pool, and the back pain was alleviated quite a bit.
0: Really? So okay. And, and how long do you think that was alleviated for? Um,
1: like was well, it until was, Will was until delivered? Until Will was born, which was probably an hour after that. Wow. So it helped a lot. Um, I obviously was still feeling the contractions, but mm. at least the back pain wasn't. Because
0: um, that was definitely something I had read up on mm-hmm. and definitely something I was open to. So if my natural birth had have gone to yep. plan, okay. um that was one intervention i thought no i i can i can work with that
1: yeah um, yeah
0: if i if that can be my go-to then yeah. yeah um but there was sort of it was skewed in regards to people's results with it yes absolutely. some said as with i guess anything yeah that happens yeah. when it comes to that but um no that you had a wonderful result
1: and whether it's a placebo effect or not who knows but you take that who cares if
0: it was good not, so. <laughs> fine i'll too. take the placebo any day
1: yeah, absolutely so no it did help i mean it wasn't it was no epidural or anything like that. You know, it didn't take all the pain away, but it, it
0: definitely. Um, it was it enough to give you the confidence to stay home.
1: It's yes, it did. Absolutely. And to finish the job, I guess, put it that way. Um, and we, yeah, it was back in the pool and I, I just felt like things were, weren't happening. I, I guess I felt like um, I was, my body was pushing, even though I wasn't trying to make it push. It was just going into that, um, primitive response mm-hmm. it does that you can't control um, but I just felt like something wasn't happening and so I decided to give myself a vaginal exam as you do yeah um, and I felt a cervical lip um, so basically I felt like I could feel my cervix um, partially covering Will's head mm-hmm. um, it was a very strange feeling but it felt like it was like a little gate that was in the way and um, I looked at the midwife and I said I think I have a cervical lip and she said, oh, okay. So she felt, and she said, yep, you've got a little one there. And what that basically means is it slows down the baby's mm, uh, descent. there's more to work through. Yep. A bit more to work through, yep, yep. And sometimes the more they you push through that, um, the more inflamed that cervix becomes, and then it becomes almost impossible for the baby to get through. So the midwife had to actually hold that cervical lip aside, so I push it aside while I did a couple pushes just mm-hmm. to get the baby's head past it. Yeah. Um, which was absolutely fine I mean it was it didn't feel good but at, by that point nothing felt you good. had to do it yeah absolutely um, so we did that and I was definitely at this point um, I was asking to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and I say asking as though it was politely it wasn't politely. <laughs> I was um, I said call an ambulance take me to the hospital I yeah. want everything but at that point you were like yeah. you were there yeah, I was. And I was done. And even Lee looked up and said, come on, get an ambulance. And the midwives mm. actually, I, I didn't know at the time because I was so engulfed in the what zone. was happening to mm. me. But afterwards, Lee said the midwives looked at him and smiled and said, nah, the baby's going to be here in a matter of minutes. Yeah,
0: that's right. The ambulance this, won't this make is, it in time anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Because this is very normal. She's doing great. And at that time, I just felt like I was being such a drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were so right. So um, once that cervical lip was pushed aside she said okay you can literally feel your baby's head now like this Mm -hmm. is it and so I went on my knees um this was something I thought prior to going into labor would work really well for me is to be in a sort of squatting position so not being lying down that can Mm -hmm. be quite um uh not the most ideal position to push a baby out believe it or not even though that's what they do in all the movies
0: (laughs) I was shocked when I learned um, about that too i remember learning that the the angle your coccyx bone sits on is actually to help Move the baby out, like it's actually this perfect biomechanical pattern. Yes, um, we're just built and lying on your back actually <laughs> goes against that. I remember being mind blown. Yeah, I'm like you're kidding. Yeah, like I know people deliver in a sort of like a squat position on all fours, all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, um, But it's one of those things you you would never know unless you look for the information. Yeah, we might just carry through from where we're up to, and I just listened yeah. to the last few minutes, and that yeah. was you felt the cervical lip new wives looked at Lee and sort of said the baby's on its way you're kind of not happy about the situation and want things to move
1: (laughs) (laughs) pretty quickly (laughs) what happened so I felt like I was pushing for ages and it turned out I was pushing for about two hours which is Mm -hmm. um, usually in a hospital the maximum usually the maximum the amount um, that they let you push for before they intervene um, but by this point, um, they were starting to see the head. So it was happening, um, just a little slow. And so I changed positions. I went into a um, like a all on all fours leaning forward. Um, and I had my mother-in-law and my mum on under each arm outside of the pool, which was really cool. And Lee was behind me, um, holding me up. And the midwife was in front um, with a mirror underneath and um, I got to have a look and which I never would have thought prior to being in that situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I would want to see everything that was going on. Um, But for me, it was the kick I needed. It was, oh, my God, okay, what I'm doing is actually doing something because it just felt like all of this discomfort, all of this straining and effort I was putting in was going nowhere it just felt really um I felt really stuck and I wasn't seeing uh what I was doing and until that mirror was put there and I got to see the head and I got to see things moving and I got to see the effect of every push and it just changed the game for me it just made everything happen I feel like I probably should have had that mirror put there a lot sooner in hindsight Mm -hmm. but that's that's great um if there's ever a next time I'll know (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and so from that point on, it was really um, it was really just primal, I think, is the only way to describe it. I don't even remember. I don't remember how it felt. I do remember prior to going into labor and listening to a whole lot of birth stories, um, a lot of women mentioned that the pushing phase was their favorite phase of labor um, or active labor just because they felt like they were being productive. Um, Whereas I I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like it was my favorite. Um, I felt like I was really riding the contractions really well. And I was in a rhythm with them. And this felt a little bit more erratic. And like I said, I felt a little bit um, or a lot more out of control. Um, which is, I think, the opposite of what a lot of women feel. So it really just goes to show it's the experience is your own and it can be different for everybody. Mm. Um, So I felt the opposite way that it tends to be described. I felt a lot less in control when I was pushing. Um, And the hardest part was getting that head out. (laughs) it was tough and my midwife was incredible I had three midwives there Uh, one of them was a student midwife um, who they asked me for permission for before he was there and he was male which was um, something else that you don't see very often Um, and I was so fine with that and he was amazing I didn't even know that they were there to be honest just so in that zone Mm. especially when you're in your own home I find um and so my the main midwife, um, she was in front and she was guiding me and she was telling me when to slow down just to try and minimise any um, effects of tearing, uh, which I was really worried about.
0: <laughs> I think that's um, one of the biggest fears of labour, yeah. though, isn't it? I remember thinking about it, and some of it was silly, but my main fears was one, a tear, which definitely not silly, but two, True. how they mentioned you can use your bowels midway through oh, yeah. and yeah. I was like oh my goodness there's no way I can use my bowels in front of John hey. what happens if I don't know that I did and he knows and then there's this oh, weird yeah. tension later on that he's like I saw you do that in front of me and oh. don't get it wrong I know it's natural and if any other person told me their story I'd be like oh don't worry about it you're having a baby yeah but the idea of me I'm like no I don't I don't <laughs> want it to happen <laughs>
1: It's this, it's, it's this feeling of shame and it just there shouldn't be any shame in that room at that time
0: absolutely
1: more, more often than not I think there isn't I think once you're in that zone all of that goes out the window but definitely leading up to it it's such a common I hear it all the time it's such a common fear and um, using my bells as, as you so eloquently put it um, <laughs> during the, the pushing phase actually wasn't something I was afraid of I'm I think I'm more on the liberal side when it comes to those sorts of things <laughs> So I've always been fairly open about that. And I just knew that it was part of it. Um, and I've also seen, I've watched a lot of videos in preparation. So I've seen it happen in the videos and I've seen how swift the midwives are and how discreet they are. They're quick, they aren't are. they? They're yes. so quick. And it's like it never happened. Um, and I, Which I, I is perfect. Ask, yeah, yeah. And I get asked that a little bit as well when, you, when like you're like giving birth in a pool, what happens when that happens? Yeah. Mm. Um, and it does happen more often than not. It did happen with me. Um, I don't remember it happening. You don't feel it happening. You don't notice it at the yeah, time. Yeah, a big
0: way too much um, going on. And that's where I oh, feel like it's a going on. It's a definitely a fear that comes from pre labor. Oh yeah. Because yeah. in the moment, and yeah. not that I had a natural delivery, but honestly, when I was mid contractions and things like that, I'd never yeah, had any of it. the thoughts I had beforehand like if they had have said strip naked get in the shower do this do that yeah. I would have just been like yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah. like yeah, it's not yeah. even a you're, thing you're anymore a different part but when you've brain. got the time to think about it yeah. suddenly yeah. You're like oh yeah. no what looks ugly what looks yucky what's <laughs> oh. true actually as part of what during labor
1: um when things weren't really going as quickly as we'd hope after I'd hit transition and I've been pushing for so long one of the suggestions was to sit on the toilet backwards Um, I don't know if you've heard that one yet but I have to say that was the most undignifying position I've ever been in. (laughs) I'm just riding a toilet. Mm. Yeah nothing down (laughs) the bottom sitting backwards in my toilet. I've just got Lee there with me and midwives and it's pretty cramped in my bathroom and I'm just Sleep. like, I this isn't working for me. Happening. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't really work for me. I went back in the pool and, and things kept moving along. But it is, it is, um, it can be quite helpful just changing your position and your pelvis rotation um can make baby give baby a bit more room to move down. Um so, yeah, so once I'll go back to once I put pop the head out, I'll say pops the head out. <laughs> it did actually feel like that in the end. It feels quite slow. And then all of a sudden it just felt like this pop, yeah. um, baby's head's out. And that was the first moment where I felt utter relief. So um, I'm sure I was still contracting, but the only memory I have of that moment of once the head coming out was I could take this breath yeah. and I was able to take this breath. And the midwife said, take a minute now. Um, we're okay. Um, and baby's head was underwater. Um, and I get asked this a lot as well, and it's completely safe. So the baby doesn't actually uh, breathe until their skin touches air. So that's the reflex that uh, tells them that they need to start breathing. And so if they're still underwater when they've come out, um, they're not actually breathing yet. So they're just going from water in your womb into water. Into water. Yeah, Um, So he was still thinking he was in the womb, most likely, um, while he was under the water. And next contraction was coming and the midwife said, okay, put your hands between your legs, pull your baby out. Um, And I'd seen this happen in some videos as well of of water births. And every time I saw it, I thought there's no way I'm going to be in the state of mind to do that. I'm just going to be so overwhelmed by the pain and everything that's happening. And I'll probably be so scared that... I'm not going to think to do that. You know, I'm just going to want it out. I'm going to want it done. And, um, it, so wasn't the case. I was so there for it and I was so present and I, I felt like I needed to finish the job, I guess. Like yeah. I have done this on my own. I can do this part. This is, this is the big hurrah. And, and it was, I, um, that last little push was really easy. He just slid out. And, um, I don't know whether that was cause he was in water or not. I can't really compare because I haven't done it the other way, but, um, I pulled him up and his eyes were opened, um, which is the first thing I remember. And he didn't say anything. He was so quiet and I was so worried. I'm like, why isn't he screaming? Every time I see the videos, they scream and they're like, He's okay, he's okay. And then he let out this little cry, and it was just one little cry, and he stopped and he was just looking at us. And the first thing I after wondering if he was okay, I was like, What is it? What is it? Because I was 99% sure that I was having a girl. And um I looked between his legs and said oh my god mum it's a boy (laughs) (laughs) who was crying and she was beside herself and because she was so sure I was having a girl as well um Lee thought it was a boy from the beginning so um he was right on the mark but that was a real surprise for me because I really I hadn't even had a boy's name I had a girl's name from the get go, really? and yeah. oh yeah, everything I imagined was this little girl. And I spoke to her as if she was a girl through the whole pregnancy. So it was such a beautiful surprise um, that it was a boy, and I thought the best thing ever. And um, I just remember him feeling like a little baby rubbery seal. That's that's <laughs> how I can describe it. <laughs> he just felt like a rubbery seal. It was such a strange feeling, and he was so calm. And um, I got to cuddle him in the water, and and um, the midwife said to me, okay, look, you were pushing for a while. So I think we should have an active third stage. Um, So what that means is basically they give you a hormone to induce some contractions um, so that you're, you can birth your placenta. Um, People forget about that part, I think, but once the baby's out, it's Mm. not over. (laughs) You still have to birth one more part, which is the placenta, um, which is the coolest thing. I mean, it's, there's nothing else like it. It's an organ. It's a brand new organ that you grow purely to grow a baby that you then discard when you're done with it. Like, it's just, it's amazing. so cool. It's amazing. Um, and so you either have the choice and in some scenarios, you have a choice where you can do that naturally. So you just let your body's hormones take over and it will, it will come out when it comes out. Or sometimes um, the, your birthing team will like to do that for you, um, which is what, they elected to do for me and I was completely fine with that but I remember looking at the midwife so scared saying oh my god you're going to give me another needle <laughs> <laughs> and she said oh honey, you you're not even going to notice this <laughs> I just thought I just had four in my lower back that were horrific and she said you just pushed a baby out sorry I just had a phone call so <laughs> <laughs> okay. you that part out <laughs> i've declined it um so so she gave me the uh syntocin injection i believe it's syntocin might have to fact check me um and she did that while i was still in the pool and then they lifted me out of the pool and i was holding well um who was still attached to me they haven't clapped the cord so part of my birth plan was for delayed cord clamping um which is just basically they stay Um, attached to the placenta or the umbilical cord to the placenta for as long as possible until it stops pulsating Um, just to get as much nutrients from the placenta as possible because it does keep um, providing them with that for a little while after they're actually born Um, so I wanted him to get everything he could possibly get from me um, while he could so they moved me along to the couch which was right there um, laid with towels, and I laid there for a bit, and I was just cuddling him, skin to skin, and it was such a beautiful moment. Lee was crying. Um, I was just—I think I was still in a bit of shock. I didn't—I didn't really recognize him. Um, I know a lot of women describe this part a little differently, I think, and and a lot of what I hear is this instant, overwhelming feeling of love. And I, I can't describe it that way. It wasn't, it didn't feel that way for me. For me, it was, I I couldn't recognize him. He was just this foreign thing that I'd never seen before, but I felt this overwhelming sense of protection. Like I just needed to protect him. Like, okay, I can't give him to anybody else now. He's mine. Um, And I, I don't know whether it's just, yeah, just this primal thing took over, but I, I can't, I wouldn't describe it as love yet.
0: Um, I so I had both emotions kicking at once. So I definitely had yeah. that overwhelming feeling of love that I just had no idea was possible. But yeah. the protection thing, um, yeah. I haven't heard many people talk about it, but in my mind I used to refer to it as like lioness syndrome. Yes. Which oh, yeah. was it's just like your little cub and I will yeah. do anything and everything to protect it um sometimes I think it was almost too much because in my mind I knew I was going way overboard and I wouldn't always (laughs) even say something because it was like talking to myself being all right I'm emotionally responding like the baby's in danger but logically it's not like baby's okay like let's say a relative come in the first 24 hours to hold her yeah in my mind, I remember like alarm bells going off and I'm watching every single little move. Like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? But logically, like it's, it's an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent. Like she's fine. She's wrapped up in her little blanket. She's okay. And I remember talking to myself being like, calm down. Like it's okay. But that was hard. And that lasted months.
1: Even the idea of
0: someone changing a nappy, I'd be like, it's not a hard task anyone can change an yeah. but in my and mind really it's like no no okay. but they but they can't do this and they won't do that and that's it it was yeah. hectic in my mind
1: yeah and I think that's really normal and I don't think a lot of women really talk about that a mm. lot either but it's just it's almost like a, this overwhelming anxiety um, that comes along it with it
0: absolutely is an anxiety like yes it's protection okay. it's there to help you protect your baby but yeah it doesn't always feel like it's there to help you <laughs>
1: no it doesn't feel like a helpful feeling does it um yeah and that that kicked in pretty pretty early on um for me as well and um and yeah and i think the the birth was just like it wasn't just him being born it was me being born i was absolutely mum was born i was a different person from that moment onwards um and the nausea was gone. That was true. <laughs> yes. Everything they said about that was true. That had passed instantly. My pelvis felt so much better, even after what I'd been through. It it, it felt amazingly better. And that first hot shower um, is just indescribable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. And it's kind of lonely. It's the first shower in nine months that you're truly alone. Yes,
0: without <laughs> um, wiggling looking in.
1: down, and your belly's all saggy, and there's nothing in it anymore. And that was kind of surreal, but it felt really good and I was so so surprised at how good I felt so quickly after the birth. And that's not the case for everybody. Absolutely not. I think I got very lucky. Um, I didn't end up tearing as well. And I think credit to my midwife, um, who guided me through that part really well, but I just got a really small graze, um, which I didn't even feel. Um, so that's, that helped a lot with the recovery. I know a tear or an episiotomy can um, complicate recoveries quite a bit and be quite lengthy and painful, so I didn't have to worry about that. Um, So for me, it was just I was just really tired. That's when the exhaustion started and never really ended. (laughs) (laughs) Nine months down the track for me. Um, But they say you know, oh, once the baby's born, they go to sleep for a big chunk of time, and that's when mama gets her rest. And I think he slept from memory about four or five hours after the birth, which is pretty good, but I didn't sleep. I, I tried. Um, so but much I was going
0: wired. on. Yeah, yeah I, I remember being the same. There was no I way started. I could have slept because even just the processing of everything that's happened, Yeah, like I, I was so happy about <laughs> it all. Like it was amazing and no one can prepare you for the moment you first hold your baby. Like you can read about yeah. it, you can learn about it, but until you actually experience it, it's just it's really something else. Um, uh, yeah. And look, I'm not even sure how long Kasima's first sleep was, but I know she didn't sleep for much. Um, yeah. <laughs> sounds familiar. Um, yeah. But I do remember, yeah, like one of the naps, a couple of the first naps she had in those first maybe three days. And I would be on the bed with holding her asleep, and John would be in like a reclining bed next to me asleep. And I'm just bright eyed awake, yeah. just thinking about everything, watching everything. And part of me is like, you you should sleep. But I, I just couldn't. Yeah. There was so much to think about and assess. And um, like, I wouldn't say it was a state of anxiety by any means, but it was just there was so much to comprehend. Oh, you had to
1: process everything.
0: I'm not sure about you, but I feel like you're going to answer the same way is that There's some people who relive memories and dissect them. And I'm definitely one of those people in in all ways, shapes and forms. I'll catch up for a coffee with someone and I'll leave and I'll think about the chat we had. Yeah, you're a ruminator.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We ruminate. absolutely is
0: it a good thing i don't know (laughs) it just is it is what it is (laughs) so you had oh can i actually ask because i don't know much about delivering the placenta did you um did you need to actively push for that did your body sort of naturally expel um could you tell was it painful
1: yes i was really i was actually really nervous about it um because I felt like I'd done all this work and I'm just done. I'm over it. He's here now. I don't want to do any more. And I was really scared about having to go through all that pain again. That's what I assumed it would be like. Um, But they gave me the injection. And I think within, I'd say, 15 to 20 minutes, I'm lying on my back on the couch holding Will, um, who we hadn't named yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And the midwife was lovely. And and she said, okay, we're just going to Uh, push down on your stomach a little bit and you're going to feel a bit of pressure and a bit of pulling okay so I was really expecting this to be really uncomfortable Um, and it wasn't it was fine and I don't know whether I was just so distracted by this baby um, or if I was just very much high on oxytocin and all those Mm -hmm. amazing hormones which I know I was Um, but it was fine. It didn't feel like the contractions that that I'd felt in the past, definitely no back pain that was well and truly gone. Um, it just felt like exactly as she described, pressure. So they pushed down on my belly and there was a bit of tugging and I didn't even know it was completely out and it yeah. was out and um, straight into a bowl and they asked if we wanted to see it, which I did, of course, because yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed and she ran me through the anatomy of it. It was very, very cool um and once the placenta was out and it stopped pulsing um, they tied it off and I said Lee can cut it we kind of agreed that he'd get to do that part um, which he which he thought was pretty cool as well so he did that and and that was it Will was completely physically disconnected from me but connected to me in many other ways <laughs> <laughs> from that point on um, in more ways than one um so yeah that part was fine and um there was hardly any bleeding I think I lost altogether about 600 mils of blood which is a very small amount um for a birth so overall it went it went as well as it could have gone um and thinking back to it and people have told me this as well that you'll never remember the pain and I don't and I, I can't believe I'm saying it but I really I don't like when I think about it now and I retell it I know it was painful and I can describe it that way but I don't feel it. I can't remember the pain per se. I remember how it felt when I broke my ankle or my elbow that I can remember that pain. Mm. I can't actually remember um, how the contractions overwhelmed me. I can't. I think I was just that it's part of your It's such an brain interesting phenomenon
0: well. though, isn't it? It's almost like a form of yeah. amnesia because oh, you hear yeah. so many women say the same thing whether they ended up having a natural birth or yeah, um, cesarean or whatever it might be if you've experienced contractions and the wrath of them, um, yeah, it's that, like, desensitisation that happens in time. Um, yeah. 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 Lee it's...
1: actually has to remind me. He's like, you know, it was pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Lee, that's look-
0: encouraging for me to fall pregnant again. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Just let me forget. For <laughs> <things>. <laughs> it's this gift that we're given. We get to forget <laughs> if we're lucky.
0: Oh, it's so funny that he reminds you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh God! I think because he hears me describe it now when people ask me about how the home birth went and I always say good things like oh it was amazing highly recommended if you can do it and then he just look at me and you know it was pretty bad yeah
0: (laughs) I guess that's where it's so traumatizing for the men though (laughs) because I always think about um you know that side of things how your support person whoever it might be is that you know women generally have the luxury if having the removal of emotion, yeah. attachment to the contractions and whatnot, but, you know, yeah. your partner, your support person, whoever it might be, remembers the the moaning, yeah, the groaning, the screaming, sure. the interventions, the everything. And the
1: the fact that they felt completely helpless. Even though he wasn't, he was so active throughout the whole thing and he was the best support ever. And I did all the hypnobirthing leading up to the birth and um, I tried to have as many tools in my bucket as possible, not knowing what I'd use at the time. And for me, I didn't use hypnobirthing during during labor. It wasn't working for me. I needed, um, as Lee would call it, I needed to get the dog out. Um, (laughs) He coached me through it like he would coach me when I'm in a tournament and that's what worked for me. Um, And everyone's different. It definitely wouldn't work for everybody, but that's how I got through. Um, And, yeah, and I have very positive memories of the whole experience. I don't, unfortunately, have very positive memories of my postpartum period or – I should say the fourth trimester so the first three months um, after the birth so when I look back now I and I do often say that I would rather go through my birth over and over again than have to repeat or relive the first three months they were very very
0: challenging. um, So what did the first three months look like for you? Um,
1: We were in COVID lockdown for a lot of it and I think what a lot of people don't realize and rightly so if they're not going through a pregnancy or or postpartum period is that there wasn't a lot of care available um, because of lockdown. And for a first time mum, that's very confronting and just um, gives us a whole new challenge when we've already got so many, we're trying to find our feet as mums and figure out what we're doing and we question everything. And I say we, because I know majority of new mums feel this way is that we feel like we don't know what we're doing or that we're doing it wrong. And I felt that quite heavily. Um, and the main reason I felt that is because for the first 25 days of Will's life, he fed, breastfed constantly. And I say constantly and I'm not exaggerating, he would come off my boob for short periods of time and the whole time he'd be wailing and crying. Um And my mum, who was staying with us at the time, or Lee would take him out of the room just so I could get a moment to myself, but I would hear him crying Mm. on the other side of the house. They'd they'd often take him in the backyard just so I couldn't hear him. And then when that was too much, they'd bring him back and put him back on the boob because it was the only thing that would stop him from crying. Um, I don't remember sleeping for those first 25 days. I must have slept because I wouldn't have survived, but um, the doctors described it as micro-sleeping, so it's sleeping and not knowing that you're asleep um so he would be in bed with me and I'd either either be lying on my side or I'd be sitting up and he'd be feeding off me like that and um I had one weight check after he was born which is not the normal protocol when babies are born they're checked very frequently but because of COVID all our checks were over the phone um so Will was only weighed once after he was born um which is which is awful it shouldn't have been that way and I really hope that they've corrected that system now um and he lost the normal I guess within the normal range of weight that babies lose after they're born they can lose up to 10 percent of their body weight and that's completely normal and it builds back up Um, so it hit day 25 and I remember this day like it was yesterday I was in the shower Lee had come home from night shift I hadn't obviously slept the whole night before I was feeding well I'd been on and off the phone with maternal child health nurses who kept reassuring me that this was normal behavior, that he was cluster feeding, that this is what babies do in the beginning. And when you're trying to establish breastfeeding, um, they'd asked me all the questions to see that my milk had come in. I answered them as best I could. In hindsight, my milk didn't come in, not properly. And, um, I thought it did because my boobs were feeling a little bit more swollen as it was described, but I never felt that that heaviness or that discomfort that a lot of people told me I should feel. I'd been heavy chested my whole life <laughs> and I called it a curse and I, I hated it and I thought, "Oh yes, the one time in my life where they're going to actually be useful to me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my big boobs. And it wasn't the case, unfortunately. Um, my milk hadn't come in and I didn't know for 25 days. So. Um, I was in the shower with Will and I was holding him and he felt so small and I was crying and Lee come home from night shift and he just looked at us and he said that's it I've had enough we're going to the hospital um, my gut was telling me something was wrong even though all the nurses on the phone said this was normal like this can't be normal and so we went to the hospital and he had a fever and his weight was Um, he was born 2.97 kilos and he was small already when he was born and he was down to 2.8 kilos, um, 25 days after birth. So smaller, drastically smaller for his size. And they rushed him in to the hospital as a code blue. And that was the most frightening day of my whole life. And I'm still to this day, nine months later, I haven't processed it properly. I'm still in therapy for it um it's still a trauma for me just that fear of not knowing what's wrong and seeing your baby so helpless with all these tubes coming out of him and poking all these needles into him um and thinking that you've done something wrong um that you haven't been feeding your baby and after everything, um, after all the tests that they'd run, it came up that he had a UTI, which is pretty common in babies. His UTI was most likely um, brought about by dehydration, which was brought about uh, not my milk not having come in and not knowing. So he'd basically been dry feeding for quite a long time, which explained the not coming off my breast and um, crying when he did. He was just hungry all the time and I didn't know. And It didn't matter that I'd done video calls with lactation consultants because you can't tell very much in a video. Um, And that was the best that they could offer us at the time. And I know that a lot of people, including Lee, have told me that it was a system that failed us. It wasn't me that failed my baby. But I think as a mother, that's just something that, that's a very hard pill to swallow. And I think you're just always going to feel that guilt, that, that it was because of you that your baby ended up in hospital really, really sick. Um, and, yeah, it just it hit me pretty hard because breastfeeding wasn't something that I thought I would struggle with, and I don't think a lot of women do think that they're going to struggle with that part until it happens, and no one realize realizes how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And I did all this research about the birth that I think I could have been a midwife by the end of it. I just knew so much. And I didn't think, To research that hard, which was my biggest my biggest regret about breastfeeding and the postpartum period. I just thought that that would all come naturally. Like, yeah, that's what you do. You breastfeed when you're a mum. Like, that's what they're for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It just happens, and you and baby work it out. And it doesn't happen that way for a lot of women. And I think, yeah, I think that needs to be acknowledged. It certainly didn't happen like that for us. And I was very adamant that I wanted to keep providing my baby with breast milk. but we knew we had to go down the path of mixed feeding because I just purely didn't have enough milk. Um, so we were admitted into the hospital. He needed to be put on fluids and given antibiotics and we needed to get onto a feeding plan. Um, being COVID, they actually didn't want to let me stay Mm. with him. Um, so they were pretty, (laughs) pretty adamant that Lee and I had to go home and leave him in hospital. Um, And we were allowed to come back for visiting hours the following day. And that was the last straw for me. That was, um, no, I just thought I've been screwed by this bloody pandemic (laughs) for long enough. And I'm sorry if that sounds horrible and selfish, but it was just, it was, it was too much for me at that moment. I couldn't, I couldn't leave him. And I thought I need to try and establish breastfeeding. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I'm with him, not if I go home. Um, so thankfully we put we kicked up enough of a fuss that they did decide that they'd let me stay so they admitted me with him in one of the wards and we were there for four days in total and it was exactly what we needed um the nurses on the ward were incredible and I got some rest the first time since he was born I think I've got a three hour sleep which was which doesn't incredible. sound like a lot but it no, was incredible so much
0: when you've had nothing
1: it was incredible and mainly because he could sleep. So we we had to give him formula while we were in hospital and I was put on medication to try and bring my milk in. And, um, finally he felt full. So finally he could sleep. And for three hours I slept and we had increments of, of that. And it was amazing. And it was exactly what we needed. I wish it had happened sooner. I wish we didn't end up in that position to begin with. Um, but it is what it is. And I've learned a lot from it. And and the biggest thing I learned from it was to trust your gut. And I had so many people tell me, not just nurses, but family and friends who've had babies say, Oh, this is normal. You know, in the beginning that this is cluster feeding. This is, they feed a lot to bring the milk in and, and yep, you're meant to be tired. That's all part of it. And I mean, I knew that I knew I was going to be tired, but I, Mm -hmm. I really didn't think 25 days in that I wasn't even going to remember whether I'd slept or not. And that he was going to scream every time he came off me, that didn't feel right. And it wasn't, and my gut was telling me that, and I'm so glad that in the end we did listen and he got the treatment he needed, um, but it did change our relationship. And I, I mean, my relationship with with him did change after that. So all that protectiveness and that anxiety that comes with being a new mum naturally started to really amplify for me. So. I became really, really scared for him. Um, I started to wrap him up in a bit of a bubble and I questioned everything I did. I started to doubt everything I was doing um, because I guess I just felt like, well, I didn't feed him for the first month of his life, even though I thought I would. So God knows what else I'm doing wrong. And... It just started a very, very vicious cycle for me and um, unfortunately led into some really dark days and some dark moments and um, some depression and anxiousness. And nine months down the track and I'm still dealing with it, um, it definitely hasn't passed. I think it's changed. Um, I'm more confident. I'm, I'm feeling better about the decisions I make in terms of parenting. I still worry. I think every mum does. I think that's normal. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I have help. I see a psychologist very regularly now and we talk through things. And um, I think it's really important to speak with your partner as well and make sure that he understands how you're feeling. Um, and he does, absolutely. Um, and I think just I think more people need to talk about postpartum period I think there's so much emphasis put on pregnancy and birth and everybody cares about the mother in pregnancy and during the birth and I think once the baby's out it doesn't take very long for people to forget um that you're a mum now and as long as the baby's okay that well everything's fine and it's not always the case um and I think people, I think we need to check in on our new mums a little bit more often <laughs> than we are at the moment, um, especially during this pandemic. I know I'm definitely not alone with that. Um, so it's been, it's been a bit of a rough trot postpartum wise.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because there's a lot of vulnerable parts of that story that, you know, must be difficult to talk about, um, but I'm sure be helpful to a lot of other mums that are going through it or could experience it in the future or, you know, a multitude of things. Um, I guess just to clarify on the postpartum side of things with COVID in Victoria, for anyone who's not here, oh, um, yeah. our mater- maternal health nurse appointments, generally you have a checkup the day after baby's born or the day after you go home. So for me, um, I had my midworth check-in after I got um, released from hospital 24 hours later, because I was yep. obviously there for a couple of days. think um, I think you're meant to have a checkup two weeks after that, six weeks, eight weeks, and then I think it goes to a big increase where it's like 20 weeks, yeah, 30 something. Yep, so yep. But those first two months were meant to have a lot of contact with maternal health yeah. nurses that is face-to-face. So they come to your house or you yes. go visit them. Um, I was lucky enough to have that 24-hour appointment. And then I think I had my eight-week appointment and then everything stopped because of COVID. Um. Mm. But in that time, I remember being so excited for those appointments because I just wanted to tell someone who wasn't family or friends and it's nothing on them, love them, trust them, (laughs) but the thing is you just want to hear from a third party that your baby's happy, healthy, safe, and you're doing a good job. And And it sounds really childish, but you actually want a pat on the back from someone who's not a direct contact. (laughs) So... You know, not having that, which is what you went through, would have been so difficult because I, and I don't know what it is. And I don't know if you'll feel the same way, but that desire of wanting confirmation from someone who's not a close contact. It's like, I I don't want someone just trying to make me feel better. I need, no, absolutely. I need someone with a qualification or who doesn't know me, or honestly, I need someone who's really mean, even. That yeah. tells me I'm 50% doing a good job and 50% doing shit. Like yeah, I,
1: you want, you want the truth. You need that validation.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the longing for that. And then all of a sudden I remember when the appointments disappeared, I was so disappointed and it was like, but I, I need, I need some kind of confirmation. Um, yeah. And yeah. I could imagine in your situation, you know, you had the midwives with you for that whole time um. And then you really didn't have any support. And I know your family was there and nothing against yeah. them by any means. I'm sure they did the best they could oh, in every way possible. Um, but I even just thinking about it as I'm talking to you now, I was in hospital for four days because of the cesarean. And yep. I remember every time a nurse come in, it was like, is is the baby latch properly? Yeah. Um, uh, yep. are, are they Are they sleeping? Okay. Um Am I doing this right? Am I doing, and I'd ask the same five, 10 questions every time they come in. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that was probably a, now that I think about it, a really great part about having a cesarean that I never actually thought of, which yeah. was, I had someone to contact and yes. just, and I remember them saying, do you want the lactation consultant to come in? And they had checked me. Everything was okay. I, I had engorgement. I was the opposite. Um, but still, every time they offered, I'm like, yeah, 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 like honestly, two times a day, three times a day, I don't yeah. care. Tell them to come in just yep just check um and yeah as i said just thinking about that as i'm talking to you now i had no idea how much of value i placed on that and i can't oh, imagine sure. what that experience would have been like and i think I looking didn't. back now
1: that's probably one of the downsides of having the home birth or even potentially birthing in a birth center because i know that it's a bit similar um The midwives leave after four hours after the baby's out. If everything's going well, um, within four hours, they've cleaned everything up, you're tucked in bed with baby and they've talked you through breastfeeding. They've looked at your latch, which everything looked pretty normal for me. It was all fine as, you know, everything was going well and they'd gone home and we had a really blissful birth bubble that we were in for for 24 hours. Um, Pre-COVID, they would come the next day and they would check that everything was going okay and they would come again within the same week and weigh baby Um, and you'd have a lot of regular visits. During COVID, no, that didn't happen. Everything was on the phone, Um, so we didn't get those visits and I guess the naivety of not having done it before, our phone calls were very much, yeah, I think it's going okay. <laughs> well, you we don't know what you don't know.
0: That's right. He How could you mood. possibly um, have been expected? Yeah, he's sucking.
1: meant to happen. He's sucking. <laughs> mm. um, but, no, it turned out he was, because he was so small and, and my boob was so big, they weren't fitting right and he had a bit of a tongue tie. Um, but we didn't know any of this until he was finally admitted into hospital, you know, 25 days later. So it's just... It's unfortunate um, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And thankfully he was okay and you, you know, UTI is very treatable and, um, you know, we got the nutrition he needed into him um, to keep thriving and he's amazing now. You know, he's, he's a huge bouncing baby boy now. <laughs> he's so cute. Um, and he's mixed fed you know he's he has formula I still breastfeed um but it's it's still not enough milk despite being on medication so I give him what I have um and that's purely my stubbornness (laughs) I'm just not ready to give that up yet um but he has formula top-ups and I'm not I'm not ashamed of that I hate that there is a stigma around that and I used to be one of them pre-baby pre-pregnancy I I thought oh no there's no such thing as fed is best. There's breast is best, you know, and and formula isn't is an easy way out, and just all these terrible mantras in my head that just came from nothing. Um, that uh, you know, I'm so ashamed we're there, but I think I think it's I think a lot of women feel that way initially until um, so until many they know things, otherwise. <laughs>
0: Pre baby that you expect, yeah, that you don't know. So in my circumstance, I was. I had a pretty positive breastfeeding experience. Um, it was grueling on a different front, and that was that Cosima wouldn't take a bottle, so she would only be fed yeah. by breast. Yeah, but you yeah. know, most of it loved it. But then there were some times where it's like I'd really love to have my hands to myself and just,
1: you know, totally. you, you have yeah.
0: those times. And um, again, that's a feeling you don't know until you know it. Um, no, absolutely. And I'm totally going to segue, and I'll hopefully make my way back to what I was getting at, but those first few days, weeks, even when you're in that perfect bubble of, I can hold this baby forever and everything's mm. blissful and fabulous and all these incredible emotions. But then you get to that point where, and not everyone will, but I definitely experienced it, which was there'd be times I'd be sitting on the couch feeding Cosima and I'd be like, Oh, this is the best thing I could do it forever. I love it. And then fast forward 24, 48 hours. And I'd be sitting there being like, Am I destined to do this forever? Like, is this all I've become? Yep. And I'm just going to call it an identity crisis Mm -hmm. because I remember thinking, I don't know who I am. So I went from being, I'm so excited to be mum. This is all I've, this is all I want to be. It's all consuming, best thing ever. Nothing else matters. Baby, 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 to suddenly. I I don't want to not be mum because I love being mum. Mm-hmm. But there's some part of me that just wants to do something that I used to do pre-baby, like go for a coffee, oh, go yeah. to the gym. Oh, yeah. Do something that doesn't involve a human attached to me. And it sounds nasty and I'm sorry, but um, no, like I said, no, I love being mum, but when these moments hit you, they're really yeah. hard to process yes. because yes. then you sit there questioning going, Well, you're a shit person because you're thinking this. This is the problem. How how dare you think that you need some time to yourself? How dare you? This
1: is the issue. Yes. I think this, and I rave about this all the time, is that there's nothing wrong with missing who you were before you were mum. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a part of you that's just yours and, and not that's your baby's. And what's wrong with it is that we feel so guilty that we feel that way. And we feel so guilty that we feel that way is because our society is telling us to. And it's just, it's so wrong. I think that's where our Western society has really stuffed up the postpartum period is that we as women have just lost our village. We're meant to have mm. a village of women or men or, or just people who come together and support each other properly. I'm not talking about just a one hour, half hour visit a day where they hold baby so you can lie down. I'm talking proper support, day and night. You know that we need to work in teams um, that you do see in some other cultures that haven't lost it. Um, but we have kind of lost our way a little bit down the track where we're just expected to do things on our own and, and independently and and not complain about it. And if we do complain about it, then we're ungrateful or we're or we're doing it wrong, you know. Um, yeah, and it's it's
0: a hard one to break. I mean, Casim nearly it's eighteen huge. months. And um, this sounds so trivial and almost I'm embarrassed to share it. But I remember <laughs> um, thinking, like, I am like I need to get my hair done. I'm going to pick a colour and I'm going to pick a haircut that has me in and out of the salon as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was because I, I had to take Cosima with me. I, yeah. I can't need to ask someone to look after her. I can't. Yeah. But I had people ready to help. John would look after her grandparents whatever and yep. like even now I've it's like no no no, you can't you you need to do this by yourself and if you can't do it by yourself you fail like yep.
1: I feel like I'm looking in the mirror
0: oh, and it's so and honestly like for the yep. first time I went again it's hair like who bloody cares It's freaking hair um but last week I not, I went and got my hair. hair done and I dropped Cosima off at her Nans. And I remember being like, "No, this is okay. Like, you're allowed to go and have some time to yourself." Kasima loves spending time with her nan. Like, there's actually no negative yeah. part of this whole situation. A week leading up to it, I'm trying to be like, "Should you cancel it? Should you reschedule it? Do you really need it?" Da 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 da. All this commentary, all this commentary, and then it like me. Like, I dropped Kasima off. She was so happy. Her nan and pa were so happy. I got to my hair appointment and my best friend's my hairdresser we, and she's pregnant. So we had so much to talk about. <laughs> four hours of chatting. I walked out with a fresh new do, a coffee catch up. I go back to Kasima Again, everyone's happy. Everyone survived. No one is sitting there going, Jade, you're a horrible mother for needing someone to look after <laughs> Kasima for four hours. Hello. Um, Hello. But you might people might be listening to this thing like you're so dramatic jade like seriously <laughs> take a chill pill but when you're in this emotion and i hope you're not yeah. i hope you just continue to stick to the fact that jade you're dramatic get over yourself because it's not nice but coming from a place of like you cannot have help it's it's yep. hu- it's hard
1: all i have to say and is it's and it's created alone.
0: yourself yeah that's what makes it yep. worse is that you sit there yep. and be like no one's but actually if, if, saying you need to do this by yourself no. nobody and yet i've cre- you create such a huge standard that's almost impossible to uphold and yeah. any kind of slip underneath it you just feel like you don't even deserve a kid god yeah no it's yeah. it's that and again some people might feel that way some people don't i don't know but and, Look, and that that feeling's definitely eased itself over time but especially um early days oh my goodness if i needed help for anything i honestly would sit there and tell myself like you're any good mum better. would be able to handle this situation mm-hmm.
1: and any good mum hear.
0: wouldn't even think about this and it, it's oh you're so nasty to yourself and if it had have been you actually we had conversations when will was first born and mm. i know you felt the same way about certain things and i remember saying to you like you know, you, you're not expected to do this by yourself. Like, help is good, and da 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 da. da. I went on a Ooh. little raven rant, and it's like, God, this is so easy to tell everyone else, but it's <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it's, just, it's hard
0: to act on for yourself.
1: We never speak to ourselves the way we speak to our friends and the people we love, and it's just, oh, it's a curse. Um, but I'm look, I'm actually quite relieved to hear you say that it does get easier over time because I'm definitely still in it. I definitely um, feel that guilt if anybody else is looking after my baby. I've finally gotten to a place where I'm comfortable with my partner um, having him for big chunks of time, which I know sounds crazy um, because he's just as much a parent as I am. But, but- it doesn't, it,
0: I feel like we share a brain, <laughs> Sarah
1: it's just this letting go. And I don't, I, to me, I thought it was this trauma of everything that happened in the first 25 days in the hospital. And I thought maybe that's what it is. Maybe that stuffed me up now for good that I can't let him go to anybody else or nobody else is worthy of looking after him. Am I even worthy of looking after him? But I think the more we talk about it and how you're sharing your side of things as well, it actually sounds like it's more of a normal feeling than I think it is. I think maybe a lot more mothers, even who haven't gone through that type of experience, do you still feel
0: like this maybe I hope I don't know I, no <laughs> idea <I> <laughs> <laughs> to me you are <laughs> maybe question. we're just the two peas in a pod Sarah
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe one crazy talking to another crazy
0: <laughs> takes one to no one.
1: <laughs> Oh god I, um, but I just
0: I love how you said even um with Lee looking after Will because yeah. it's come up a few times where Like even if I catch up with the girls and stuff, it's like Casima always comes and and I love seeing her. And honestly, I love being with her. And that's why, Yeah. okay, so this is where the shame comes from sharing these stories because I get terrified that people are going to think that I don't love being with her. Yes. Because I do. And part of that's the problem because the idea of not being with her feels just as bad as like, yeah, you you know what I'm trying to say. Um, And then it's like, all right, but if I'm open about my feelings, they might interpret it as though I I need time away from her. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it's nice to just have some adult time, but I I don't actually need it. Like I'm more than happy to be in her company 24-7. And I think that's where it's confusing because you can't really articulate what it is you want
1: because you (laughs) want time
0: to yourself, but then if you get it, you don't want it. Do you know, Um, it's, it's a weird, it's very, you feel stuck.
1: I think it's just that guilt crawling back in the back of your brain I think that's what that is I think that you do need that time for yourself I think we all do and it's okay to have it but it's feeling like it's not okay to have it that's the Mm. problem and it is it's absolutely okay to have it and it's okay and I have to keep telling myself this over and over again but it's okay for my partner to to have him for a whole day so I can go to work you know that's that's okay and it and they're bonding by doing that mm. and it doesn't mean that I love him any less. Um, what it has meant is that I'm a better mother when I come home. Um, so I've, I've decided to go back to work when Will was about six months old. Um, part of my healing from um, how I've been feeling was um, it was suggested that I try a day or two back at work and I work with amazing people and wonderful managers who are very flexible with me and um, are on board and have allowed me to come back for a day or two a week Um, and it's always random days. It's just they've given me some projects to work on and and when I get through them, I get through them. So they're amazing and it's a lot less pressure for me but it gives me a time to step away from being a mum I'm still a mum, but it it reminds me that I'm other things and that Mm. I'm still the person who I was before Will was born is still there. I worked really hard to be that person. Um, And my work is a big part of that. I I love what I do. And so it allows me to dip my toes back into that and it allowed me to miss Will. And I never missed Will in Mm. the first six months, seven months of his life before I've had these couple days at work. I never had an opportunity to miss Will because no one ever had him other than me, you know, not even Mm -hmm. Lee. I was always there. Um, And I was never apart from him. And yes, it was hard having those, you know, those two days of of going back. Um, But I missed him and that was such a new and amazing feeling because I got home from work and I couldn't wait to see him and I felt reset. I was ready for that night. So I'm one of those lucky mothers who has a very wakeful baby. Um, (laughs) So to this day, he still wakes up very frequently through the night and is a catnapper through the day. So I don't get very many breaks. Um, So I'm very tired a lot of the time. I live in perpetual exhaustion. I've just learned to live with it. Um, And so going to work, even though I'm tired, um, it still feels like a reset. You know, I've come home and he's had a day with his dad and they've bonded and, um, you know, Lee feels great about it. Will's generally in a good mood and I'm ready for the night and whatever it brings. So there's, you can't put a price on that.
0: And I think it's the the positive reinforcement of that. And even though yeah. my experience hasn't been from going back to work, because for the most part, when I work from home, casima's with me. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely relate on a few times where I have like, even if it's just to record a podcast, and literally John and Kasim are downstairs. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. They're right there, but I've had my hour or two to talk to someone and do my thing, and then I go back downstairs, put the mum shoes back on, and it's like, oh you know what a good way to explain describe it almost is now when you wear high heels for too long yeah and your feet just get sore oh, it's and it's like I can wear them I can keep wearing them yeah. but they they hurt a little and then you take them off for I'm just going to say the night because if you take them off for an hour put them back on. it's not gonna work <laughs> but you know you take them off you shake your feet out and then you jump straight back into them and it's like oh they're, they're back to being comfy again filling up yeah. the mum cup is almost like that it's just exactly. having some time away you recognize that your capacity to be mum is so much better. It's like your patience got in check, your little love bubble's gotten in check. And it's also really nice to see your little one bonding with their dad or their grandma or their nan or whatever it might be. And I know that's, I guess, where some of my, I want to call it practice has come in for others looking after Cosima is that like, even if it is a podcast or like getting my hair done last week is that when I come to see her again, she's wrapped like she's yep. she's a happy girl whoever you know dad's happy nan and pa are happy grandma's happy and it's like okay, okay um this isn't a doomsday scenario that I made up in my head everything's good <laughs> I feel better for it everyone yeah. seems better for it um but I just wonder with that in mind because to a degree we will both like lock down mums yes yeah do you Mm. and again it's just the idea of it because who really knows sometimes do you think that it could have been harder for us to allow others to care for our babies because for so long that option was never there and Mm. again not saying it was a bad thing or anything like that i Mm. To a degree, some part of lockdown, I'm actually really happy for because I had my space. Mm. I could just yes,
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: find my rhythm with Kasima, work things yep. out. I didn't have yep. people coming in with their comments and their judgments. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I just think if I flip the switch, because the idea of anyone looking after her other than me was delayed for mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, nine, God, so many months. Mm, um, and because she wouldn't take a bottle as well, I wouldn't even try because it's like if she gets hungry, yeah, no one.
1: yeah you you need me yeah no it's true it's true but um
0: just how because you were saying earlier about building the village and it's sort of if you had people around you all the time which has got its positive and negatives. it's like maybe Mm -hmm. the initial adjustment to baby can be with someone even for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and everything's okay Mm -hmm. and over time that slowly builds up to you're at a place where oh an hour two hours all day Mm -hmm. everyone's okay Yeah,
1: it's definitely, um, like you said, the lockdown came with pros and cons in terms of being a new mum. You know, I I definitely didn't get all those influx of visitors. Um, They came in dribs and drabs in between lockdowns. And um, so that was nice. But for me, yes, the absence of a village was really prevalent. And um, that had a huge impact on me. And I think it did instill in my brain that okay, I have to do this. There's nobody else to do this but me. And it almost meant that I had something to prove. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think
1: I still have that mentality that I I still have to prove, which I don't, it's ridiculous, but I still have to prove to everybody around me that I can do this, you know? And, um, And I feed off of the fact that he's doing so well and that he's thriving and the comments that other people make, you know, that to me is validation, that oh yes yes okay I'm doing I'm doing the right things you know, mm-hmm. um, and it it I it's definitely not a healthy way <laughs> to mother and to and to live in general. It's very exhausting and it takes up a lot of energy. But that's my you know that's my anxieties coming out, mm-hmm. and that's something that um, I'm trying to work on. But I think as well, and, and one of the messages um, and the reasons why I'd like to I'm. I, you know, put my hand up to do this podcast is it's very hard for people who haven't experienced a given situation to obviously empathise. And I think the one thing that I'd like people to understand is that there can be a lot of triggering questions or statements that anybody can make without realising that they are triggering something painful in someone. And that's mm-hmm. not just a new mum, that's anything in life in general. And we're all guilty of it. We've all done it. We all do it without realising. Um, it's not malicious in any way. Um, but I guess it's just something to keep in mind and just be mindful of that we all have our own triggers. And for me, it's 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 sleep. I'm a very sleep-deprived mama. I think um, off-air you mentioned that. Um, your time of Kasima waking up constantly is described as sleep trauma, <laughs> which I think <laughs> very on point. We're traumatised by our lack of sleep. Um, so for me, when anybody, you know, asks me, is he sleeping through the night yet? You know, that's quite triggering because no, he's not sleeping through the night yet. And I can't envision a time he will even come close to sleeping through the night yet, but that's where we're at. And I know that that's normal for him and I'm not worried for him and I'm not worried about what we're doing with him anymore. I was, but I'm comfortable and confident with where we're at now. I'm just tired <laughs> and that's yeah. just the state of all the season that we're in at the moment. And that's okay. Um, but it's also really triggering for me as well. When um, I get asked a lot about having another baby and this is an interesting one, I think for a lot of women, um, having a baby maybe even a first baby or having another baby I think a there's a lot of women out there who probably want children and can't have children so questions like that can trigger those feelings Um, or they can't or don't want to have children for a multitude of reasons and for me that's a hard question to answer because I'm terrified of the thought of having another baby And of having another child. And the and I'm so, I feel so guilty and ashamed for those feelings because I've always, I'm an only child. I should preface this. And I never wanted to have an only child. I always wanted to have siblings. I wanted to have um, brothers and sisters. So I wanted to give my baby a brother or a sister at the very least, you know, have have two of them. Um, Best friend for life kind of (laughs) situation. Um, So for me, it was always a given. Well, if I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have more than one. And now that I've had one and I love him so much. And again, this is where I think the message gets a bit skewed. I don't, I don't want it to come across as though I don't love him and I don't love or appreciate what I have. And, and I do, underneath all the, the challenging days, I do love being a mum and I do love being his mum. But the thought of going through those first three months again terrifies me to my core to the point where I'm, I don't know that I can do it again. And that's just something that I need to work through. And it might come a time where I am ready and I may want to dive back in, but it may also come a time where I decide, no, that it's just, I that's not going to be my path. And and so be it. So I think, um, you know, when, when I, people can be a bit pushy. <laughs> just really? <laughs> A little bit, and again, there's I know there's absolutely no malice in it at all, um, and they don't mean anything bad by it, but I think just a little bit of um, just social awareness that you you don't necessarily with everybody, you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors with anybody. Mm. Um, and things that might seem really harmless, like pushing, oh, when are you going to start trying for your next kid? Or, you know, as soon as he turns one, you better start. You don't want too much of an age gap between them. I hear that one a lot, you know, um, just things like that. And and in my head, you know, out loud we laugh about it, but in my head I'm just like I just feel like I'm on this clock
0: and it's not a clock I want to be on <laughs> and I'm and I'm not ready. <laughs> I feel like there's so many elements to what you just said and there's full- probably a whole other podcast there. I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm just thinking like I could, let's explore this. (laughs) Um, No, but there's the, there's the element of, you know, one, you you have gone through a lot and you still are sleep deprived and honestly, emotionally until you start getting proper sleep, it's really hard to process any kind of emotions. It's very much a day by day thing. And look, honestly, if you decide it's just going to be the three of you forever. Amazing. And if you decide you want more, amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, how a lady. It's yeah, balls in your court, and time changes everything. And it doesn't matter which direction that decision goes, totally irrelevant. Um, but happiness is everything, and society shouldn't dictate that you know, two is better than one, or three is better than two, or anything like that. A happy mum and dad is better than any number it's irrelevant but I completely understand Fairchild. where you're coming from on the the comment of children um I guess I've experienced both ends of it and I was talking to John about it just recently and so as you know I was in Fairchild for six years and people would come mm. up to me like oh when are you having babies and I mm. just kind of be like eh. and like, gut would <laughs> just go into a knot because I'd be like yeah I can't have yeah. that <laughs> um but like that's that's no one's business. I'm not going yeah, to exactly. say that to you. And don't get me wrong. I picked and choose For the most part, it was weird. It come up during PT and stuff and I wouldn't have a problem telling people but family, especially my in-laws, I could never because they love babies and it's very much yeah. like babies are life, babies are success, and, you know, you're mm. nothing unless you have children. Yeah. And, again, nothing harsh to that because now I sit there and I think about how much joy being a parent brings and mm. i can sit there and go that's why they ask that's why they encourage it it's not actually a pressure of you have to it's like they make you really happy and i just want you to experience that happiness yeah and i yeah, and they're remembering what it was like for them to be a parent and i yeah. At the time, I remember being like, why does everyone bring it up for? Like, leave me alone. And then all of a sudden shifting shoes because sometimes I'll see friends that have been in relationships for a while and I never once used to think, I wonder when they'll have babies because I couldn't. And it was like, no, it's none of my business. But now after being a mum and enjoying that experience, it does, it pops up in my head a lot. I'm like, oh, are they going to have yeah, another one? I wonder, mm. I would never say it out loud to them because mm. like what you were saying, who knows just what's going know. on, yeah. but it's a thought that I never used to have. And now yeah. when I hear other people say it, I'm like, I understand why you say it. Yeah. I, yeah. I get it. And I didn't know that. And maybe I wouldn't have taken it as harsh as I did back then. Yeah. If I knew you were saying it from, cause it, it feels like a, a place of pressure and
1: yeah, like you're destined yes. for this. Yeah
0: when it it absolutely wasn't it was more of a yeah. hey, this is really fun and exciting you should explore it
1: yeah um, that's interesting and that's a really nice insight and a different perspective to it I think which just goes to show how much you grow in life doesn't it so much yeah yeah just by having all these different experiences like you never would have felt that way had you not become a mum Absolutely,
0: you know? I, so my, just- I can't imagine my mind ever would have taken me there to be honest yeah because I, I didn't know that emotional state and you know that being said I also have a lot of empathy for anyone who's listening to this right now who's in a position where they can't have a child and that's where it gets really tricky because you and I are sharing this and bonding over it yeah and then it's like yeah but I, I actually can't for xyz yeah. reasons and absolutely it's, and it's like all right so how how can we talk about these things so that we empower the mums who need it But then we also support Mm. the mums who can't be mums or it's it's a tricky, it's a really tough space. It
1: is. And it's and that comes up in, I think, a lot of other aspects in life as well, not just motherhood, about how to, especially this day and age, you know, you're always worried about saying the wrong thing and you don't want
0: to Mm. offend anybody.
1: (laughs) Of course, yeah. For the most part, no one wants
0: to be nasty ever.
1: No, that's, we're all trying to be kind and we're all trying to navigate this really yeah, di- difficult and, and new turns that our society keeps taking. You know, we're just trying to all figure it out. Um, I think we just have to be a bit more lenient and easy on each other that we're trying for the most part. I speak generally <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think this is no different. Yeah, I think we have to keep talking. I don't think that that's a reason not to speak either. Um, you know, wow. knowing that there are mothers who can't have these experiences that we're talking about doesn't mean that we shouldn't be talking about them mm-hmm. because there's just as many mothers who are having these experiences that need to
0: feel heard. Um, so I think and I it's guess just, that's where you just need to be tasteful about right. your conversations yes. and how yes. you hold them and where you have them. And Yes, exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, and I find it interesting what you said about the, the triggering side of things because we yeah. both have yeah. interesting sleepers. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. You know, they go they rogue. normal
1: babies. <laughs> let's,
0: let's call them that. <laughs> but um, just before we started this part of the podcast, Sarah and I were having a little debrief about our interesting sleepers, and it came up how I kind of seek out other mums to be like, how do your babies sleep? Like, what yes. do they do? What do you do? Yes. And part of it is I'm always searching for this magic fixer elixir yep. that makes them sleep 12 hours. and <laughs> yep. The other part of me is I just need the constant reinforcement that I'm doing the best I can. And just what you were yep. saying about that paddle, like you just need somewhere yes. to go, oh, but, you know, you're doing what you can and, yeah. yeah. And yep. I find it more and more interesting that what started off as online research, which is babies at X amount of age will be sleeping 8 to 12 hours straight, no interruptions, <sighs> no waking, uh-huh. and all the hours <laughs> I sat there, hating myself, thinking I suck at motherhood because my baby yeah. doesn't sleep, I only yeah. need to find out from first-hand, I don't know, interviews, to say the least. <laughs> it turns out lots of babies don't sleep. Yeah, They wake up then, and they don't sleep long durations and they're erratic and they're not this perfect time stamp.
1: And yeah, some are. And I
0: think... Yes. yes. But I I'm happy for thing. those parents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's the point, is that they're not robots and... They're little humans and there isn't a one-size-fit-all handbook of sleep because there would be one after. Yeah, you
0: know, the, but the books make it sound like it. Before. Of course they do. It's like just <laughs> do this and do this something. and do this and, you know, <laughs> just sleep 12 hours. No, and look, I, yeah. I saw a sleep consultant. I saw a paediatrician and both yeah. of them are like, she just, she's just hungry. Feed her. Yeah, like that's why yeah. she wakes. And I remember thinking that's not the answer. Like <laughs> surely. Nope.
1: I think, and but you know what it was. It's oh, just,
0: well, yeah. you know, because you heard the Subo story. She had a I big did. lot of calories in a smoothie, and she slept six hours that night. Thirteen amazing. months,
1: she's amazing. <laughs>
0: um, but over time, I've learned to stop blaming myself for her sleep and just accept yeah. that. I feel like sleep's just a milestone. One day they will learn how to do it. It's it's
1: completely and utterly developmental. It doesn't matter what any of the books say. It's just. They will do it when they do it and they will all do it at a different time and you just got to let go and stop putting so much pressure on yourself that it's something that you're doing or something that you're not doing. And it's mm-hmm. taking me nine months to get into that frame of mind and I'm just as tired as I was but I feel better and I'm yeah.
0: not,
1: I'm not crying not night. That shift of
0: pers- perspective, though, changes yeah, so much. It does, um, yes. You know, Cosima was up at 4am this morning, which honestly isn't abnormal for her she'll wake up for a couple of hours she'll go back to sleep and whatever and you know things like that in the past I'd just sit there and you don't get me wrong I'd enjoy the cuddles I would but part of me would be like what have you done wrong like what did you not feed her enough is is she thirsty is she this is she blah 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 is it too hot is it too cold and now I'm just like yeah she woke up yeah yeah she'll go back to sleep and being able to just accept that they are their own little human and they will do what they want to do. Okay. It doesn't fix yeah. it. Still sleep deprived, still got all that sort of stuff going oh, on. Totally. Yeah. But it, that feeling of guilt gets yeah. relieved. And, and that's that, the um, heavy
1: part. That's, yeah. that's what weighs you down. You know, Yeah, we, the guilt's we, we horrible.
0: Can,
1: we can survive exhaustion. We've been doing it. It's just I can't be weighed down further by feeling guilty and questioning everything I'm doing. It's just it's too much extra energy that I don't have.
0: Yeah. But that's why I think people's feedback's really interesting as well. I remember um yeah. sharing because I talk about it heaps now to people, but in the previously I I didn't because I just it was a really vulnerable kind of thing. Um
1: and it was I remember triggering.
0: the feedback I received from someone, what was it? I've totally gone blank. I was just about to say it. Um, But it was along the lines of, oh, that's what it was. If they're not sleeping enough, they're not going to hit their milestones. I've heard that one. And I heard that and like super sleep deprived new mum just wants their kid to grow and mature the way a kid should she, she doesn't have bone. to be a rocket scientist or an Olympian <laughs> but I, I want to be able to go to school and do all that stuff as any other parent would and for whatever reason that feedback shook me to my core and I just remember thinking oh my goodness she's gonna struggle at school she's gonna not get her motor skills or I don't yeah. know and it's all my fault yeah and that and I look back and I'm like, why did that person say that? Of all the things they could have said, like, how is that helpful? And, and they, yeah, not hating on that person, but just an FYI for anyone offering feedback to a sleep-deprived mother: <laughs> please be considerate of where their mind could go from and your also help.
1: Along those lines, as well, is. A lot of people just love to give advice, even when it's not being asked of them. Oh. And that can be really tough as well. Like I, in the Especially beginning, when there's I was words all like, about it. Just
0: do this. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. It's easy. as
1: And like I said, I was, I have put my hand up in the beginning a lot, you know, help, 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 help. Mm-hmm. Can anybody help me? What have you got? What's your advice? And honestly, I've hit a point now where I've just, I've heard it all. I've read it all. I've done it all. It's all been done. We have sifted through everything. <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. This is working for us. And unless we're asking for extra advice or tips or help, then
0: Watch most tongue. likely we don't need
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but that's a tough conversation to have with anybody. We don't, you know. Because no, really they, they mean
0: well and that that's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's
1: right. They are just they just want to help and that's totally, you know, you can't say anything bad about that. But it is, it is yeah, it is interesting. Um, and I think, you know what? we're new mums and we're allowed to complain every now and then I think we've got a ticket for that we're tired and I'm allowed to say oh my god I'm tired without an influx of advice of how he can sleep better (laughs) you know or how you can get more rest or sleep when baby sleeps I love that one oh Um, I'll just do laundry when he does laundry (laughs) (laughs) it's fine um but yeah, it's just every now and then I just want to have a bit of a sook and I'll move on. But it's
0: sometimes that's all you need. That's all you need.
1: You just need a vent. Like no and- one wants
0: a pity party, but sometimes no. you need a pity party.
1: And sometimes misery loves company. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll find other non-sleeping mothers and we'll <laughs> we'll find a corner somewhere and have a sook and then we'll get on. With Do you remember
0: my sleep? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <it>. So funny. <sighs> um, but I think what did you say just before that I loved, which was. You you found what works for you and I think if we're to yeah. condense the whole postpartum journey yes, in one sentence, right. it is motherhood, having a child, new family routine, whatever you want to call it, is literally a matter of finding your groove Perfect. and your There's groove no is right going to be wrong. different. You've just got to find it and you yep. stick to it and the groove yep. will shape shift every couple of weeks or months because that's another thing. That's right. It it always <laughs> changes. Everyone says, oh, it's the same. Repeat that anyway. Or you it. can just down pat, but and then yeah,
1: to the new the mums whose babies
0: are um like to mix it up a little bit and yeah. not stick to a perfect routine. Your baby's not broken. No,
1: no. And there's no, oh God, please don't ask me if he's a good baby. What does that mean? <laughs> Why is that still a question? Oh, he sleeps. Oh what a good baby. <laughs> No, there's no good babies, there's no bad babies. Your baby's not bad if they don't sleep well. Or I'll ask one more question do. and
0: then we'll wrap things up because honestly, I feel like I could talk to you into next month. Yes, sorry. I'm not yes, even gonna go say till tomorrow. I'm, I'm just sorry. gonna say next month. No, 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 it's fabulous. It's fabulous. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Um now I've lost my train. Uh, oh, so if no, I've lost it. It's gone. Oh no. Okay, it was just a sign. <laughs>
1: we're meant to stop now
0: (laughs) we're meant to stop now no i feel like it was juicy too oh no oh well you'll have to um
1: pop it on instagram
0: (laughs) survey (laughs) yeah yeah no but all right so if we're to condense new mum life
1: find your groove
0: that's right find your groove well thank you so much for sharing so for one I haven't really heard your birth story in this capacity I've only heard drips and drabs over time so um, I feel honored to have heard it like this and I'm so glad we could share it with everybody and there's a few things to learn in the middle with the hypnobirthing and a lot of cervical and (laughs) interventions and there was lots of fun facts and (laughs) opening up the conversation about motherhood and If you're having a fabulous time, amazing. And if you're having a hard time, you're not alone. Nope. Chat to Sarah and I. (laughs) (laughs) But no, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute delight chatting with you. And I cannot wait to share this episode with everybody. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.